0: underground location living the american nightmare 24 hours a day seven days a week you are now listening to notes from the underground observations over strange times with your host the narrator so how's it going man
1: going pretty good
0: yeah what you been up to lately? I haven't seen you since what? Last spring, our last band practice? Yeah. Right it had before, to have been. Was it when uh probably right before first hay cutting, right? Because that's usually when we go on hiatus. Yeah,
1: sounds about right. Yeah. When the other band members decided uh Z-League Warzone was more important than band practice. Yeah.
0: What the <laughs> fuck, man? Chastin, Matt, Eric, or not Eric, you're Eric. Ryan, if you guys are listening to this shit. Come on, you guys. What the fuck?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Chaston's making big money out in the war zone. Oh, yeah? That's what he says, yeah.
0: That's Xbox, right? I don't know shit about video games. It's
1: uh, Z League, uh, trademark, whatever it might be for recording purposes. But you play little cash game tournaments, and uh, based on the Mm -hmm. amount of kills that you get, you get paid out. Like, in like US dollars or like bitcoin. No, actual US dollar, but really? the thing is in Michigan, they haven't um they haven't legalized the payouts yet. So he plays and he has this giant bank of money that he just can't touch. Are they gonna legalize the payouts? I would hope so. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest esports there is, really. I mean, if you watch any streamer nowadays, if they're not playing Warzone, nobody listens to them. Really? Oh yeah, it's it's just the game to play at the moment. But he'll he'll probably dodge it for Battlefield. Just came out, so so we might not see another band practice for uh, probably another six months. <laughs> <laughs> that's disappointing, right? That's, that's, right. You know, when it comes to
0: that. I think I'd rather just practice. You know what I mean? I, I like doing gigs. I just hate moving all that fucking gear.
1: Yeah. Um, that and the venues. I mean, there's so few places to play out there, really. Yep. I mean, you got, what, Scooters and maybe the Yale Pub. If We branched out, I would say, like to Memphis. Um, probably play the Doghouse Tavern. We could play T's Roadhouse. You could play the Hamlin Pub. If you go out down 23 Mile on it, there's a few bars that do live. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of opportunities out there once we get back at it, i if, say.
0: If we could do that, then I would be a little bit more interested in gigging. I'm just, yeah. you know, Scooters is great. It's it's fun. But yeah. we've I think we're at like the, how long have you been in the band now? Uh, it's been two years, I two believe. Two years.
1: Yeah. I think we've been three. Let me think. Cause we played Halloween in 2018 or 19.
0: I think that might've been 18. Cause that was the first year we were living in the house here. Yeah.
1: Yep. So yeah. Cause that was the night that I hit that deer on the <laughs> way home. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My brother just smoked one out by us actually. Really? Yep. Buck yeah. dough. What, what did he hit? He said it was a dough, uh, took out his headlight, a uh, good portion of his grill. Um, Messed up the wheel well, the fenders toast. Oh. I mean, he's he's probably got two grand worth of damage to that truck. Yeah. Easily. Oh, God. Well, the one I hit, the one it was two years ago when I bought the car. Shoot, he did six grand worth of damage and it didn't even kill the deer. You're shitting me. Nope. <laughs> hit him on grass shit and division road almost right at the light. Just jumped out of the field on my left hand side and i drilled that deer i had been doing probably 57 60 but i didn't even have a chance to touch the brake (laughs) i mean i my insurance didn't even make me pay a deductible because they, they saw the damage clearly on the side of the vehicle and not in the front so clearly i still had control of the car but uh i pulled into some nothing broken down garage that's, I think, like a closed down auto repair place. But the doe was in the middle of the road and people started just kind of slowing down. And one guy in a truck stopped dead in front of it, laid on his horn like three times. And the deer jumped up and ran right back from where it came. Oh. yeah. <sighs> so I didn't even get, uh, you know, a free couple of venison steaks out of the deal.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'm i haven't i think this whole season i think i may have hunted maybe four or five times you know what i mean i just i haven't had the time i'm constantly working or doing something around here right you know it's like
1: yeah, based on what i've seen it's been kind of a bad season for everybody i i don't really know what it is but i haven't seen the big buck picture yet on facebook right. i haven't you know talked to anybody that's had a great story about a hunt they were on right. so Maybe something about it this year. Just not the year to go out.
0: My father in law tagged out during bow season. He got two bucks. Hmm. But I mean, it's not. I mean, they were nice bucks. Don't get me wrong. But sure. it's not like they were monsters. You know what I mean? It's,
1: yeah. That's hard so, to find anywhere. Yeah. In here Michigan. Though.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That's hard to find. So yeah, unless
1: you're going way up north, you're not going to find the monster bucks.
0: Right. So we picked a uh, pretty good day to, to have this podcast here. <laughs> the uh the Rittenhouse trial how about that
1: uh, I was uh definitely a fan of the trial <laughs> uh, I watched coverage pretty much from day one I mean the prosecutor and his antics and yeah dude uh,
0: what the hell I mean I was hearing something I think it was today or yesterday I heard something like they they took a drone video and like manipulated it somehow so that it was like false evidence or something like that
1: well the from what i had seen the actual story behind the drone video is that it caught an angle of a similar video that was introduced by the prosecution as evidence
0: like a cell phone video yeah something to
1: that effect um But at the same time, it's the prosecutor's duty to present all exculpatory evidence to the defense so they can make their case. Right. Well, this was premium high def video and a very good angle of apparently the Gabe. I can't remember his last name. The uh, survivor uh, that got shot in the bicep. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently. Was that Gage? gauge thank you yeah whatever yeah but the uh the prosecution had this video and did not give it to the defense and in this case the defense was actually asking for a mistrial because they did not turn that video over right and it's perfectly good grounds to ask for a mistrial i mean if if the prosecutor was withholding this high-definition video, there's obviously some kind of a reason why he did that.
0: Right. Because
1: it probably showed a great view of this guy approaching Kyle Rittenhouse and then physically trying to grab the rifle. Right. And I think that was him. No, I want to say Gage was the one with the 9 mil with the Glock 19. I think that's right, yep. Yeah, so this... Drone video probably caught him walking from a distance up to Rittenhouse and then drawing the pistol, which he on the stand admitted to. Yeah, I heard that becoming a defense, you know, witness. So, I, I mean, you have to ask for a mistrial as a defense lawyer, right? I mean it. It was just the right play and it turns out it didn't really matter because you know he was found not guilty on all counts but could you I am- think I think the defense did a fantastic job personally yeah. I mean he was pinpoint accurate on every point he made could you imagine being a juror in that trial Oh it'd be amazing <sighs> I mean I I personally have always loved like courtroom dramas and yeah. movies like A Few Good Men is one of my absolute favorite films but uh i mean if i were a jury i would have been on pins and needles the whole time exactly I mean, you know the media is involved you know that if you give this not guilty verdict the whole city might burn down again right i mean
0: yeah i was listening to the radio on the way home from work and i think i think the station is either It's it's either an ABC News or a Fox News affiliate. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, they went to some reporter on the ground in Kenosha. Right. And what the hell did she say? It blew my mind because she goes. uh, Oh, she goes, yeah, it's really quiet here. I'm actually surprised. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself bitch are you surprised or are you disappointed
1: yeah you know what i mean abc affiliate (laughs) because that doesn't sound like a fox affiliate right
0: right and it was it was it was just the way she said it it was like that's not surprise that's disappointment in your voice you want you want something to happen Uh,
1: because it wasn't about the trial it's never about the trial to them because the facts don't matter it's just the narrative the media is going to push their narrative because that's what they want to see they want this ammunition for future campaigns and future legislation to be passed i mean had he been found guilty of all counts they would just say oh well you know we were justified in burning down the city we were justified in the police excessively using force on jacob blake which was the whole reason for this in the first place right i mean they just uh they feed on it they do the whole left side of the aisle uh they have a real problem with bias in the media and oh yeah they they just don't care about the facts of the cases at all
0: right i like how they're not don't get me wrong before i say this i understand that you know the riots or the the protests it was it was a goddamn riot is what it was Yeah. but i understand that the riots were because a black dude got shot i get that sure or Yeah, was it? he got shot by a cop, right? He did,
1: yeah. <laughs> Jacob Blake um, got shot in the back when he was basically trying to abduct a child. I was mean, that from, what it was? Yeah, he had gone to his um, baby mama's house, for lack of a better term, and uh, she called the police because he had entered the house without permission and then took the kid, got in the car, and was ordered to stop more times than you could count i mean the guy had every opportunity to stop what he was doing and surrender to the police he had an open warrant for i believe sexual assault against the woman that called the police oh geez and then he was reaching for a knife the cop justifiably again which was proven in court shot him in the back about six times and left him paralyzed so you haven't heard much about that in the media Mm-mm. because, A, he didn't die, so he's not a martyr like they would have hoped. Uh, the media was probably drooling as he was in the hospital. Like oh, I'm sure, this guy I'm sure they he were. I'm sure they were. But, yeah, it didn't happen. And then shortly thereafter, uh, the riots in Kenosha started. Okay. So I understand that, you know, a black
0: guy got shot. And mm. no matter what the guy did – I don't really think people should just be getting shot in the street sure. regardless of that yeah i like how what the hell was that oh sorry oh, no sorry. it's all right don't yeah. worry about it <laughs> um it just scared me uh but the The media you're hearing clips of like now. Granted, it's the view, obviously, but like the 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 clucking hens on the view are all trying to turn this into a race issue. Hollywood's trying to turn. It's like, dude, three white dudes got
1: shot by a fucking white dude. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and three guys on top of that with charges. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You had the one pedophile, the one that had some kind of a strangulation charge, if I'm not mistaken. And the other one was a known felon as well. I can't remember the charge, but I mean, it was funny to me. They bring this case and they say, oh, well, you know, even if he's not convicted of murder, we can still get him on a weapons charge, Right. which turned out to be total bullshit anyway. So where is the prosecutor for Gabe Grossgruss or whatever, who pulled a nine millimeter while he was a felon? He's in possession ...of a Glock 19, Mm -hmm. and he's a felon. That is a crime. That's a crime. Mm -hmm. But you don't hear a word from them about that. Didn't he also... (laughs) Wasn't wasn't part of it that...
0: Like, Rittenhouse is being chased by the Mm -hmm. guy that he killed, the first guy that he killed.
1: right? Right. Rosenbaum, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Then the gauge guy... Didn't he pull his nine his nine millimeter out and he like fired it into the air or something like that?
1: I uh, don't know if they knew that was Gross Groose that fired the shot. randomly Somebody there. fired the but random shot yeah. though, and
0: that's what caused Rittenhouse to turn around. Right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It just what a story, dude. That oh, was amazing. The pundits have been just oh, <laughs> they've just been having a field day with. Them. Do you listen to Tim Pool? I do occasionally. Yeah he has been going he's like he's like you he's been following this case like Since day word one. for word he he can he can probably recite the whole damn thing back to you nice. you know what i mean <laughs> but he's been going off about it shapiro's been going off about it yeah. bongino has been going off about it mm. everybody's just like this th- <laughs> This might be dramatic, but this is this is definitely the biggest story of the year. This might be the biggest story of the decade. I would, you know agree what that.
1: I mean? Yeah, uh, you haven't seen a trial with this kind of coverage since OJ. Yeah, arguably, yeah. it's like I OJ. mean, maybe it didn't me. last as long because I think OJ went for like eight months, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it was quite a long time. Uh, but he had Johnny Cochran on his side, <laughs> who, if nothing else, was there for pure comedic value. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, the the only other trial I can think is um, the George Floyd trial. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, arguably about the same, but I think this got a lot better coverage. I um, think so, too. Yeah. I think yeah. so,
0: too. I think the self-defense element, dude, if intriguing. he would have lost that trial, it would have been a nail in the coffin for self-defense. Oh, absolutely. Now, granted, I'm kind of of the mind that I really don't think, I understand why he was there. Like, I understand his reasoning for being there. He's got family there. I think they said his dad, is either his dad or his grandmother, lived pretty close to, what you know, the area that it was going on. So he's got family there. He works there. I understand that. But, dude, you're 17. Right. When I was 17, first of all, I was a fucking retard when I was 17. (laughs) You know what I mean? But- I would have never thought now two, you know, the world was different when we were, when we were 17. I mean, it, it didn't seem like it was as bad as it is now when we were younger.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. Right, right, right. But, But, uh,
0: but yeah, when I was 17, I never would have thought to pick up a gun and go in and go into a riot. You know, that I got to give the kid credit for balls. Like. Either you're nuts, or you've got the biggest balls in the world, because that takes balls. You I, know what I mean? I'm gonna, I'm
1: gonna call him nuts in a way. Um, I, I think he was overzealous to even be there. Like, you yeah, said. a little, that little was, excited. But to make the prosecution's argument all about that fact was so wrong. I mean, how, as a prosecutor, are you going to say that it's not self-defense because he provoked this? You can say he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was a troublemaker. He was out looking for trouble. Well, then what the hell were the three guys he shot? Oh, absolutely. This this argument doesn't hold water. Right. Uh, It just doesn't. And I've heard that from everybody who disagrees with this trial. Oh, he was just out there looking for trouble. I I really don't believe he was. I don't.
0: No, I believe believe him when he says that, he was there to help. He was there to, you know, he was there to protect his family and he, yep. the kid's an EMT, yep. you know what I mean? He's got the EMT training. Maybe he may, I'm not that virtuous. That's mm-hmm. why I didn't learn how to be an EMT, sure. you know, but maybe the kid's just that virtuous and he wanted to go help people. And that's great. Yeah.
1: But I think he would have had quite a career in the military personally. Probably uh, would have. You can enlist a 17 with a waiver. And uh, the fact that he was, well versed enough with his weapon to have that amount of discipline to only shoot targets that he wanted to shoot right and he wasn't unloading magazines into guys which had he done that guilty period Yep. Uh, you can't unload 30 rounds into a guy and get away with it right but he didn't he shot the one guy in the arm once one pull of the trigger and he knew his target was disabled right and incapacitated and that's all it took well, doesn't he, didn't he also have, like, law enforcement training? It was, yeah, some kind of a cadet training, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, I'm sure they did mild firearms training, but probably nothing to the extent that that he showed that kind of discipline for. I don't think he was very well trained, but I think he knew how to operate that weapon. Right. Yeah.
0: That's, yeah, it's just, and, and you know, Another thing, too, I, I kind of think that the fact that he was there really is irrelevant to the case. It doesn't matter that he was there. What matters is what happened when he was there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Granted, yeah. Not, obviously, they're going to try and play the angle, or you shouldn't have been there. But, again, that's 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 irrelevant. Right. right. What we're talking about here is – his life was being threatened, and yep. he had a choice, and he made the choice.
1: And apparently the right choice, according to the jury. I, so. Absolutely. Yeah, and I agree 100%. I mean, this argument that, oh, would you shoot everybody that hits you in the head with a skateboard? I, Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I would. <laughs> Have you seen a skateboard? That's thick wood. Yeah. Those are metal the uh, trucks. trucks. Yep. I mean, if you get clocked in the head enough with those, you're done. Yep. And had he been incapacitated... Who's to say they wouldn't have taken his rifle and turned it on him?
0: Oh, I think the guy that he, the first guy, the the guy that he lit up. Yeah. That guy had every intention of getting that AR-15 and killing that kid. I agree. Because yeah. I, 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 now don't quote me on this, but I thought I heard something about like the day he died, he had gotten out of a mental institution. Oh, this I haven't heard. I I forget. I It, it was either Tim Pool. Mm-hmm.
1: It I don't want to really attribute it to Shapiro. No, I've listened to Ben Shapiro's coverage. I don't think he mentioned anything so about that.
0: It might have been. It might. It may have even been Glenn Beck that <coughs> brought that up. But somebody yeah. said that um, he had been in a mental institution.
1: I mean, it wouldn't surprise me with the way he was acting,
0: and that he was also carrying, like, like he had his bag of stuff from sure. when he was in the institution. Oh wow, you know, with him, like his clothes and, you know, like it's like like basically he got out of the wherever he was at, mm. got on a bus and showed up. You right. know what I mean?
1: Yeah, which begs the conspiracy theorist question of, are these people actually being bust in there? I mean, how many of these people were there to legit protest? Bust in by by the globalists. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it does raise interesting questions. But I know for sure, even based on defense evidence, and uh, apparently some of the prosecutors' witnesses too, that Rosenbaum threatened to kill him. Yeah, he did. I heard that, too. Yeah, yeah he yeah. literally said, if I catch you alone tonight, I will kill you. He yep. said that to uh, Rittenhouse and his friend Dominic, if I'm not mistaken, was okay. his name. Yeah. So, I mean, even at that point, you just make the self-defense argument stand up even better.
0: Right there, yeah. yeah he yeah. literally threatened. And, I mean, the kid didn't probably didn't know at the time that he was a criminal or whatnot, but...
1: I don't he was, think he knew until he killed him. Right.
0: He was threatened by a, a, a known criminal, a career criminal. And right. then, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, I know I said that I don't think people should be getting shot in the streets, mm-hmm. but the world has one less pedophile. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know what 100%. I mean?
0: As far as I'm concerned, that that guy got off easily because if I had yeah. my way, pedophiles would be flayed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no questions asked. There's no cure for that. There's no that's, cure for that. That's mental. There's no being rehabilitated for being a pedophile. Right. Sorry. I'll, I'll even go woke. Uh, minor attracted person. Yeah, what the yeah. hell is that crap? They're The media and the left, I personally think for a while, have been trying to normalize pedophilia. Oh, I think so, too. Yeah, and it is disgusting. It, it's disgusting. Everything. And... I mean, not that I was ever
0: pro-pedophilia, but, like, once you have a kid, that thought becomes even more intense, you know, like, I will fucking kill pedophiles, you know Mm. what I mean? It's crazy. Yeah. But, but anyway, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Got a a little intense there for a minute. (laughs) Killing pedophiles and shit. (laughs) Well, before we get into, uh... The topic right. that I wanted to talk about tonight, let's, uh, you want some of this wild turkey?
1: Absolutely. I'll do I think, I
0: think this is about a year old because I think I bought this bottle right, is it right after I started my new job is when I bought this bottle. So it's a little old. And it's it's wild turkey. It's not like we're drinking, you know, aged <laughs> awesome bourbon <laughs> over here. This, yeah. is, this is wild turkey.
1: Yeah, this is uh redneck classy. Yep. I mean, it's it's better than uh, Ezra Brooks. I guess. I've never had that. <laughs> oh, don't. No. That's something you give somebody if you want to see them hit the floor in about two hours. That's a that's, uh, shout out to Matt. That's uh, Matt level drunk after the outdoor show in Port Huron. Did I miss that? Oh, I had to give him a ride home. Dude. Yeah. Great times. I, <laughs> I always... Think he, he told me he loved me at least six times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: here cheers cheers i always miss the good like the good stories like that you know mm-hmm. like the night they got into the what was
1: it they got into a bar fight at the titty bar that was after the halloween show and i missed it too oh you missed that one too yeah. yeah i uh had to get home to the girlfriend that night and decided against going to the infamous Bisco's. Oh, geez, that place. Yeah. Yeah, I know the guy that was in the fight, too. I won't name any names, but he's pretty well known for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The
0: the one time I went there, Mm -hmm. it was... Now, I think you're thinking about a different time, because if it was the one after Halloween, that's the one that I was at. Dude, oh, you were there. I almost got hit in the face with a can like a full can of beer at that place. Oh man. Jesus. The fight broke out. It was crazy. We're all sitting there. It's after the show. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in the titty bar and the girls up on stage dancing. Mm-hmm. Um I think Tasha and Emily went and got drinks. Okay. Well, they come back and they sit down at the table, and then all of a sudden, out of no like I don't know how this got started. And I was watching the show. Sure. You know what yeah, I mean? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the stripper just starts kicking this girl in the face. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and I mean, like, jackbooting her in the face, um, you know. And then somebody jumps up on the stage. God, this is what, like a year and a half, two years ago now. Yeah. But somebody jumped up on the stage and started fighting with the stripper. And then all of a sudden the entire bar just like mosh pit collided. Oh god. You know what I mean? And at that point I looked at Chastin and he looked at me and it was like at the same time we both were like, let's get the fuck out of here. You know, this is yeah. this is gonna get out of control.
1: Well, that place is out of control. At least it used to be it's shut down now. Yeah, but- it's is it
0: shut down permanently now? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, there were stories about people getting hit by cars in the parking lot, people oh, my pulling god. guns out. <laughs> um I mean, I've heard all kinds of wild stories about that place.
0: But just as we walk out, we walk out, because you know, there's the one door, like the main entrance door.
1: Sure, sure. And then
0: off to the side, there's that other door. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We come out the main entrance door and and we're like 50 feet from from the, that other door. Yeah. You know? And this dude just comes back. Bursting out of the fucking door, the door flies open. People come falling out of the door, and this dude—I don't know who the hell he was—but I got to give him credit yeah. because for some reason there was a full can of Bud Light, like unopened can of Bud Light, oh, sitting yeah. on the hood of a car. Parking lot of drinkers. Okay,
1: Typical. yeah.
0: This dude, what? And he's you know he's shirtless and he's pumped up and he's mm. all you know he's ready to go. He just backhands this full can of beer, right? Yeah thing bursts open off of his knuckles like this dude like karate chops this thing you know <laughs> and this thing comes flying at me and it just like <laughs> right past my face <laughs> you know and, and at that point it's like all right let's get in the car let's get the fuck out of here because this shit's gonna get crazy yeah some girl was dressed up like the joker from batman she got this sh- i think she was the one that was getting kicked in the face i know
1: exactly <laughs> what <you're> talking about <laughs> it yeah. was crazy yeah she was there at the show that night, actually.
0: That's right, because the yeah. that, that show, that was the night that was like Scooter's Halloween, Halloween party, and they did the costume contest? Yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah I definitely recall that evening.
0: God, we... All right, If we need to start gigging again, because you've only had a couple of gigs with us. <laughs> True. You know, yeah. and you, you need to have some wild nights with us, because we've had some wild nights. Oh, my... <laughs> we could sit here and do a whole podcast just about the wild nights we've had sounds like a future episode
1: with the guys
0: (laughs) i want to get eventually i want to get it set up so that i can have three four people in here oh sure but right now since i'm still kind of learning you know about how to do all this shit i could probably do three like we were talking about i think
1: chaston yeah we were
0: talking earlier I could probably do three, but I, I, I want to test it before I just jump right into it. You know, I, I want to test it out and see how it works. Yeah.
1: Uh, video feed would be good, too. Um, yeah,
0: eventually. Once once I'm in, if this takes off, right? because you know, to be completely honest, I'm expecting it to fail. Not mm-hmm. like, oh, boo-hoo me. It's just the odds are. Sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Chances are it'll fail. It It won't catch traction, whatever. Yeah. For whatever reason, it'll fail. That's what I'm expecting. But if it doesn't, once I get out of the blanket fort in the basement, you know, and I can afford either like a studio space or, Mm -hmm. or, or even if I find a way to get creative with it, I do want to get into video. It just, again, I'm learning, you know, I'm kind of learning how to do this shit. So, but anyway, um, so I don't know if I said this yet, but thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of wanted to talk tonight a little bit about your experience in Afghanistan. And before I go any farther, Mm -hmm. don't say anything that's going to make you uncomfortable. Yeah, sure. Don't say anything that's going to get you in trouble. No. You know, nothing like that. And if I ask a question that makes you uncomfortable, Mm. um, A, I'm kind of naive on what not to ask. I don't really know what not to ask. Oh, yeah, that's fine. And also, um, if, you know, any questions you don't want to answer, just say, hey, you know, I'm not going to answer that.
1: Yeah, so I I'm, I'm
0: not going to go crazy. I'm not going to ask, you know, ridiculous questions or nothing yeah. like
1: that, but... No, not a problem.
0: So, I had a uh, list of some things I wanted to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... So I guess the first thing is, um, you know, introduce yourself, state your name, you know, the branch of the service you were in and your rank.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I, um, my name is Eric Manos. I was a uh, 13 Bravo in the United States Army, uh, active duty, 4th Brigade, 10th Mountain Division, 525 field artillery. Uh, I was a gunner by trade uh, after my first deployment. And uh, rank wise, I I don't think I'll mention that on there. Just to be honest, okay, uh, that's just fine. It, it gets kind of weird with ranks. Okay, um, a lot of people discount a lot of the things you say just based on your rank. Okay, okay,
0: fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was
1: a grunt. We'll put it to you that way. Okay, enlisted, uh, not a commissioned officer. You enlisted. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, when did you when did you sign up, and what what, what kind of made you?
1: Decide to make the choice. And thank Um, you for your service, by the way. Oh, yeah. Much appreciated. Uh, It was 2010 when I enlisted. I started basic training in June of 2010. I got into the Army uh, kind of late, actually. Uh, I intended on enlisting when I was 18, uh, but it would have broke my mom's heart. Yeah. That's all there was to it. Um, I had a job at a radio shack, uh, a dead-end job. I did fairly well because I was good at sales. Um, But I gave a guy a discount. uh, No lie, like the story of how I joined the army. Um, He comes in complaining about the price of a pack of four AA batteries. And he says, come on, man, hook me up, do something. So I'm like, all right, I'm just tired. I don't want to deal with this guy. So I'll give you my employee discount, right? So eventually he comes back and returns the batteries, which then flags as a return. Corporate sees it sees that I gave him an employee discount, and they end up firing me over it. Really? Absolutely, it was a total of 84 cents. They fired you over 84 cents? Yeah, so shout out to Radio Shack for no longer being a business. (laughs) Yeah, congratulations on that one, guys. That 84 cents would have saved the company, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But uh, yeah, that day I remember just going home and saying, you know what, I'm just gonna go straight to a recruiter. It had to have been, I think I had to start my shift at one o'clock. I was kind of unceremoniously fired over the phone because the district manager didn't have the balls to do it face to face. Um, My manager at the time was like a longtime high school friend. Um, She was in tears because I looked at her as I was walking out and I said, I'm going straight to a recruiter. I'm going right to Port Huron. I'm going straight to the recruiter. And she said, oh my God, oh my God, you're going to be the reason like, or I'm going to be the reason that you get killed (laughs) in the military. And I told her, I'm like, no, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And it was just kind of the straw. that broke the cameras back. So you so. had been thinking
0: about it then. It oh, wasn't absolutely. like it was just some random thing you decided. No,
1: no. I thought about it out of high school. I had a couple of recruiters try to get me in. Um, I, I didn't have the greatest grade point average. I think I was like a B student, uh, but I was athletic, um, definitely in good shape. So the recruiters that came to the high school, they were tossing every pamphlet at me. They could Marines, Army, Navy, Air Force. Uh, the reason I joined the Army, actually, is because they had the shortest amount of time to be able to get me into basic training. Really? the ju- The recruiting station was a joint recruiter. So they had all four major branches, and I think even the Coast Guard. And I literally went door to door. And I went to the Navy. I'm like, okay, before you sell me the pitch, how long before I can get in? They said, ah, it's about a six-month waiting period. Wow. I said, okay. I'm like, I'll be right back. And then I booked it over to the Air Force. They said, we're only taking combat pilots, and I guarantee you you're not going to be able to test high enough. I said, all right, fair enough. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to deny this. I probably shouldn't be flying a fighter jet. Um,
0: would you have, though, if they would have given
1: you the opportunity? It would have been a fun job. Yeah. Um, but uh, spoiler alert, I'm partially colorblind, which oh, so limited you... my choice of careers. All right. Um, so, yeah, that wouldn't have worked out anyway. But, uh, yeah, flying a fighter jet would have been uh, quite the experience. Yeah, it would yeah. um, So I went to the Marine Corps. They said, we can get you in in 60 days. I said, all right, I got one more stop, and I'll be right back. <laughs> and it's funny, because when you go into these recruiting stations, these guys have quotas to meet. So as I'm walking down the hall, I feel like a tie hooker, like getting catcalled by all four branches of the military. Hey, hey come on in here, man. Yeah, I got a bonus for you. You want that bonus? Yeah. I'm like, right, whoa, guys, relax. That's great. Yeah. So I wind up at the army recruiter and he says 30 days. I said, all right. I said you got me Uh, you're the best so far so let's start the used car salesman pitch (laughs) and um, it was funny because uh, he said I was well spoken by the end of it and I ended up doing a uh, face-to-face interview with the Times Herald and Port Huron they were trying to do an interview with somebody that was getting in and asked them pretty much the exact same question why are you getting in why do you want to do this And he said, you're the first guy that's come in here with the IQ of, you know, a normal, average, functional human being. So we would love to have you do this interview. You're kidding me. No, dead serious. Yeah, they came to my house, uh, did an article with me. I think if you Google search my name, you'll probably find it somewhere. Really? Yeah. Yep.
0: No shit. All right. I got the internet over here. I'm going to look this shit up. Yeah, go ahead and take a look. Hold on, it's going to take a minute. i got to load it all up. Yeah,
1: this will be a big blast from the past. <laughs> um, I was 24 at the time, and I'm 35 now, so you're going to laugh when you see uh, 24-year-old, 24-year-old Eric. 24-year-old Eric? Yeah. Oh, God, I can't wait. This yeah, I've is got a nice uh, patchy beard. I've got a backwards cap on, I um, think a red hoodie. I'm, you, know, you know what? I might have cleaned up a little bit, but I definitely, <laughs> I remember seeing the video, and I said, wow, I should have shaved." Because, I mean, I looked scraggly. <laughs> so uh, type in my first and last name and then Army, and you'll probably find something.
0: Uh, did you mean
1: Eric Munn Army? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's funny, there were only uh, eight other guys in the Army with my last name. You could look it up in an email directory. Uh might have to type in like times herald okay yeah
0: i want to find this this is going to be great
1: they archived it for a long time i don't know if it's still there or not
0: and yeah, times herald news that's what i want uh newspapers from port here on 2005?
1: No, it would have been later than that. should have been 2010. Okay.
0: There's an Angela Manos, 32-year Army veteran. In really?
1: No, never heard of it.
0: <laughs> I can't find it. Yeah, if anybody's right. listening and you try and fi- if you find it after listening to this, uh, either send it to me in an email or post it to the Facebook page. I got to see this shit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a pretty good interview. I think they started off with me just playing Call of Duty in front of them, and a friend of mine called me, and he's like, hey, man, did you see the article they wrote about you? I'm like, no, I didn't. I didn't bother to read it. I wasn't really interested, but he's like, they made you look like kind of a dumbass. (laughs) I'm like, really? How? He's like, well, they started the article off by saying, uh, you know, Eric is playing Call of Duty, and even though the game's realistic graphics seem to put you into warfare, he has no idea what he's in store for. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, whatever. I'm like, it's some know-nothing reported from Port Huron trying right. to make a good headline. I'm not mad at her. Right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it it was still a good time. So but.
0: so you sign up. Yep. And it's a... Now, here's a quick question for you. Is there any particular reason why I think... What would you say that the... the the Navy was six months. The Marine Corps was 60 days.
1: Yeah, it depends on the amount of people in the force at the time. Oh. They have limitations um, in terms of certain military occupational specialties or an MOS. So the, at the time, the Navy was full up because this is 2010. Okay. Like you're getting pretty close to peacetime. The major push in Iraq was over. The major part of the conflict in Afghanistan was pretty well over, uh, except for the hunt for bin Laden, um, but they had everybody they needed. Um, the Army, even, uh, for most MOSs was pretty full up. I think they were taking a lot of EOD guys uh, to disarm roadside bombs. What is what is EOD? Uh, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. Okay, okay. Yeah, they're the guys you've seen on, uh, what was it, the Hurt Locker? okay yeah they put on the big space suit and disarm bombs okay okay yeah they were offering a fifty thousand dollar bonus for that job at the time
0: well yeah i mean the chance of getting blown up is like at least fifty percent oh yeah but uh,
1: there's a funny quote that eod guys like they get asked this question a lot like aren't you worried and they're like well you know my job's kind of easy either i do my job right or i don't have any problems anymore really yeah (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you either defuse the bomb or you're done. Well, that's, yeah, so, that's
0: one way to look at it, I guess. Yeah,
1: you, you definitely develop a dark sense of humor in the military. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, how long? Okay, so you sign up. Yep. And now, how long does it take to go from enlistment to, oh, you said, what was it? Six, uh, 30 days to boot camp?
1: Yeah, they said okay. 30 days out. I ended up getting delayed, I think, by about 15 days. Um, you, Enter into a contract um, after you take the ASVAB. So you've got to take the aptitude test first. Once you've passed the ASVAB, you sign the contract. Okay. In the time in between, you're doing what they call the future soldier program, and they basically run you through like a little mini boot camp. They're going to tell you rank structure. They're going to tell you basic customs and courtesies. They're going to tell you about the PT test, uh, the PT test, sorry, physical requirements. Okay. Um, yeah, if I throw an acronym at you and you don't know it, call me out and I'll tell you what it <laughs> okay. is. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it took 45 days. I got delayed on my ASVAB. Um I got bus to the station out in Warren to take the ASVAB and something was going wrong with the computers that day. What's ASVAB? Uh, oh shoot. Uh, <laughs> Call me one, out. Uh, yeah. That one, uh, <laughs> it's an acronym basically for what the military equates is to an IQ test. Okay. Uh, it gives you a score and actually breaks down scores based on general technical knowledge, mechanical knowledge, electrical knowledge, um, mathematical knowledge and reading comprehension if i'm correct on all five subcategories your gt score is what matters that's like the culmination of everything and it's one out of 150 i think i got 132 gt score which is i think the top 10 percent
0: yeah wow yeah
1: which wasn't bad for not studying at all and being out of high school (laughs) for you know six years not having cracked a book. I I did nothing in the future soldier program except learn the rank structure. I learned the soldier's creed, and I learned basic customs and courtesies. That was it. Okay. So I took the ASVAB, got back, and my recruiter's eyes lit up. He's like, oh, I got a guy here. I'm going to get him in. I'll get him a nice cushy job. So I chose a military intelligence job. I think it was 32 Romeo... Uh, was the designation for the MOS. It was a visual operator, equipment, uh, maintainer, or visual equipment operator and maintainer. I'm sorry. Uh, Basically, from what I understand, it would have been quoted being a drone pilot so wow yeah it would have been a great job except <laughs> uh i ended up going to medical processing and they find out i'm partially colorblind oh. so my list of 27 jobs went down to four i had infantry truck driver military police and field artillery so my recruiter just so happened to be a 13 bravo uh, field artillery cannon crew member which was what i ended up going with and he sold me on it um I mean, it was obviously the best choice out of them. If I would have went in infantry, my mom would have killed me. Uh, <laughs> truck drivers, we joked around and called them bomb finders. Uh, oh. Military police, they basically trolled around on posts, uh, driving around like the grocery store parking lot, pulling guys over for doing more than five miles and over on a military base. Right. So, yeah, that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs>
0: So, okay, so you say it's 45 days now. Okay, so it's yep. you sign up. 45 days later, you, you leave for boot camp. Yeah. Can you say where you did boot camp? Or yeah, no?
1: absolutely. Uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Okay, what was well,
0: – all right. Everybody, when they think of boot camp, they mm-hmm. think of full metal jacket. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And, obviously i'm sure in today's day and age it's probably nowhere
1: near what full and full metal jacket was the marines but right yeah the marine corps does have it a lot harder in my opinion in boot camp okay so Um, so what was boot camp like uh you get there day zero and i remember walking into a big auditorium the first thing they do is ask you if you have any contraband you got your last chance and they have what they call an amnesty box so if you've got a pack of smokes, if you decided to bring a flask with you, if you have uh, any kind of communication device, they're going to ask you for that right then and there. I was about to throw away my last pack of Marlboros, and uh, <laughs> one of the, in they call them uh, reception drill sergeants, he comes up to me and he says, hey, you going to throw those in the box? And I responded, yes, drill sergeant, assuming that's what I was supposed to do. He said, hell no, I smoke those. Give me that. Nice. Yeah, so he took my last pack of Marlboro Reds. And uh, I mean, that that's when it really hit home, to be honest, when I was like, that's it. I'm in boot camp now. <laughs> Yeah, Can't man. have a cigarette. I can't text a you know random friend. I can't go on Facebook. Um, not that I ever really used it that much, but you feel generally cut off the second you walk in that door. You can't even smoke in boot camp? <laughs> no. How do they expect you to get through that shit? oh you just go cold turkey it's part of the discipline really i mean the they take away every vice you've ever had they they want to break you down that is their purpose in boot camp so they're going to break you down to bare minimum to build you back up as a soldier wow yeah and it works um i was angry grumpy for the first two three weeks Um, There was one particular drill sergeant that did smoke, and when he would walk by me, I could smell it on him. Oh, God, that's the worst. My eyes would just turn red. I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I could have a cigarette right now. But uh, he was actually a really good guy. Uh, Drill Sergeant Powers uh, was his name. He was funny as hell. Um, Definitely big on the discipline and smoking. Uh, Smoking, so everybody knows, is what they refer to (laughs) as when somebody screws up. And they're going to basically physically work you until you can't move. Uh, He loved doing it. He would try to make you laugh, try to make you break discipline. But one day he saw me. One particular guy in basic training, I can't remember his name. Uh, He was the guy that we called that guy. He was the guy that always got us in trouble, that always got us smoked, that couldn't hack it. And he didn't end up making it through basic training, but... He did something stupid in formation, and he made me break discipline because I grabbed him. And I said, I swear to God, if you get us smoked one more time, I'm going to pound you into oblivion. <laughs> Drill Sergeant Bowers grabs me. He's like, come with me. I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. This guy's going to toss me around. He's, you know, He's probably going to tell me, you can't do that. He pulls me to the back of the barracks, and he says, hey, do you smoke? I said, well, I did, Drill Sergeant. He's like, all right. He pulls out Marlboro Reds, just like I smoked. And he says, here, take this. And he hands me one. And I immediately go, is this a trap? (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) what what I I would think. He took (laughs) off his cap. And when they take it, I should say cover. That's what they're going to call him. It's the drill sergeant brown round hat. He took it off and said, I'm just... Me and you now. Well, I'm a normal guy, I just saw you try to kill that dude. I saw it in your eyes. Don't lie to me. Have the cigarette. Go back to formation and remember who you are. He's not going to be here much longer. Wow. And he actually got this guy out. He wound up being what they call the drill sergeant of the cycle. We all got to vote on, like, our favorite drill sergeant, and uh, he won it based on, I think it was 250-some people in my basic training class. Wow. For a drill sergeant, he was pretty well-liked. Wow. Um, Yeah.
0: Now, when you say he said to you that he's not going to be, like... Does that mean that the drill sergeants actually have the ability to like kick people out of boot camp?
1: Absolutely. It's part of the reason why they're there. Now, does that count um, as like
0: a dishonorable discharge? Or- no, it
1: would be a general under honorable discharge for a failure to adapt. Okay. Uh, failure to adapt is a short way of saying failure to adapt to a military lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so basically, if
0: you can't hack it, they don't. Obviously, they don't want you. But if yeah. you can't hack it, they don't want you.
1: Yeah. I mean, after reception, you've got zero week. Um, they're gonna process you. I remember doing the lineup with the haircuts. I mean, that's Full Metal Jacket, right? Where right they just sit you down yeah, and shave, you down, your head. shave your head. Guys were in <laughs> tears. Personally, really? I shaved my head before I got there expecting it i'm like whatever i'm just gonna save the guy his time i sat down in the chair and they you know buzzed me a little closer but uh some guys have full heads of hair and they were just crying it's just it. hair man it'll yeah. grow back yep well not during basic training <laughs> well no yeah yeah because yeah, they're gonna
0: what do they do what like once a week they shave you or something
1: that uh, was about once every two weeks um i I took to just using a razor on my head oh and, yeah? yeah drill sergeants love me because I I was clean shaven, except I've been able to grow a beard since I was 16, so I had to carry a razor with me. Uh, the first two weeks of basic, I had drill sergeants every day. Did you shave this morning private? Yes, drill sergeant. Why are you lying to me? I'm not lying to you.
0: <laughs> I and, just I got a lot of testosterone, man. Yeah. I can grow a good I mean, beard.
1: That's, that's how it was. I was that kid when I was like 13. I started growing a mustache yeah. and I had hair on my legs and all the girls would giggle at me, you know? And I just, I laughed it off, but uh, eventually one of the drill sergeants told me, he's like, hey, you might just have to carry a razor in your cargo pocket and shave when you're out of formation because we're going to keep hassling you about it. We have a standard to set. And if these other people think you're getting away with it, it makes it look like we're playing favorites. That makes sense. Yeah. So I dry shaved uh, once a day, pretty much every day. Yeah. Just to stay within the regulations, if you will i hate shaving Dude, yeah so do i the military would be so hard
0: for me that it was would be that so was hard for me first
1: thing i did when i got out was just stop shaving I <laughs> would grew you grow like a grizzly adam beard yeah. I, I don't think i shaved for the first probably month and a half two months when i got out yeah yeah and then uh i i think if i'm not mistaken my dad looked at me and he said son you look like a homeless biker <laughs> I was like, oh, that sounds like yeah. something my dad would say. I was like, I, sh- I should probably clean that up. You look like yeah. a
0: homeless biker. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then after the haircuts, uh, uniform issue, gear issue, uh, fit you for your boots, and basically tell you what uniform to wear at what time. We did a little bit of PT. And then after five days of death by PowerPoint about what we were going to go through at basic training, it was time to get on the bus
0: death by PowerPoint. When you say that, do you mean like you were in a classroom for a week straight watching PowerPoint presentations? Absolutely. Really? Oh dude, I'd kill
1: myself. Yeah. How to conduct yourself at basic training, how to talk to a drill sergeant, what, what to expect. And I mean, week by week by week, they break it down. Week one, you'll learn basic tasks, customs and courtesies and drill and ceremony marching. Um, After that, uh, you get issued a rifle and you start doing weapons trainings. Um, Week three, I think, was the first PT test. Week four I think was the first field training exercise. Week five was range and week six was, was range. You had to zero the weapons and qualify. Week seven and eight were another field training exercise and week nine was kind of the culmination of everything. And then you're pretty well a soldier after a 22k road march i want to say with a 40 pound uh 40 pound pack
0: now now you say march is that like march or is that like in the movies when you see them making them run up mountains and shit like that
1: no it, it was pretty straightforward it up was and just, down a, you were just marching yeah the a standard march uh road march is two columns uh separated about 20 feet apart and you're probably about i want to say they said three meters so call it 10 feet apart from the guy in front and behind you okay Uh, the purpose of doing it this way was if say an explosion were to happen in the middle of the formation it would cause minimum casualties you don't want to be bunched up right that makes sense but up and down terrain for sure uh the 40 pound pack for 20k was a pretty rough hike uh we lost Probably about 12 or 15 people uh, just not being able to make it. They followed you with a medical Humvee, like a medics Humvee has a big red cross on it. And the rule was if you fell behind that Humvee, you got in the back and then you had to do it again. But You're if you kidding me. If you didn't make it the first time, you got a second chance. And if you didn't make it that time, bye bye.
0: So, so if you didn't make it, you were done. You yep. were out of the military. They didn't want
1: you. Yeah, yeah, and they would, wow. they would basically get you out on a failure to adapt, like anything else. Wow. Yeah. So,
0: oh my God, could you imagine that?
1: Say, okay, say you walk. It's a twenty-two mile. Yeah, roughly, I'd say about eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. Okay. A Miles, a little bit less than a click.
0: Okay, so say you make it like seventeen miles and you just can't go. Uh, That's it. And then you gotta walk seven, or you gotta walk another eighteen miles to qualify. Yep. Jesus Christ, man. (laughs) I mean, if you
1: if if you were at click, you know twenty one, and you rolled an ankle and fell behind that truck, you were getting on it. You could not pick somebody up, carry them, help them, push them, nothing. It was. It's always a group task at basic training, but this is an individual event. There's a couple individual events. PT tests for physical training. It was two minutes push-ups, two minutes sit-up, and a two-mile run. So you had to do that by yourself. Rifle qual, individual. I mean, that's all on you. If you can't hit the targets, that's your problem, not the platoons. Right. The road march, you're marching together, and you feel like – you know, this is us and we're going to make it as a team because you really grow with these people throughout nine weeks. Like I made a lot of good friends at basic training. I still talk to them. Um, but it, at the end of the day, if if you don't make it, that's it. It's on you. OK. All right. So. Did anybody fail? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. Out of a class of 250, I think we graduated probably 200. Wow. Yeah. I mean, for any various reason, um, disciplinary issues, failures to adapt, uh, can't pass a rifle qualification, can't pass a PT test, uh, can't pass weight and tape uh, was a big one. Um, What's weight and tape? So, you. Based on your height, you can weigh a certain amount. Oh, so the tape means height? Because I figured, well, not exactly. So, weight and tape is kind of a general term for meeting height and weight standards. If you bust weight, like say I'm five foot eight, okay, I I think my max weight was 167. So, if I go over 167, they break out the tape. And they're going to do a neck-to-waist ratio in inches and generate a body fat percentage. And you have to be below that or you're not meeting the standard and you could potentially get booted out.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, and this happens more often actually in the active army than it does at basic training. Really? Yeah, at basic training, your diet is so controlled it's almost impossible to not make weight and tape. Like You'd have to go in you know grossly overweight and at that point it's the recruiter's fault they shouldn't let you in period wow yeah my my recruiter he made me pass weight and tape before i even got on the plane he made me pass a pt test before i even got on the plane the only thing he couldn't judge me on was shooting and he said i i've done everything i can shooting the rifles on you right so that's just an example of a poor recruiter and recruiters you know they got to meet those quotas so they'll push a guy through that's 15 20 pounds overweight hoping he loses in nine weeks and can still pass right all right you can't blame them they're under a lot of pressure
0: right so. dude i couldn't imagine i couldn't imagine going home and telling my dad that you know or my mom but yeah. i couldn't imagine mm-hmm. going home and telling my parents that like i failed to conform in the military <laughs> yeah, i like just i'd be so embarrassed it. like yeah. mom dad you raised a total just I suck.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, mean, that's your motivation at basic too. Uh, If you're a big body guy, like you said before, the full metal jacket uh, mentality comes into play. Drill sergeants will call you heavy. They will tell you, you are a disgusting fat body and you need to lose weight. They'll PT you to death. Uh, they will try to get you through basic training because that's their job. It's yep. not their fault the recruiter failed. Yep. They'll do whatever they can do to turn you into a soldier.
0: And it, it makes sense, too, that they have to do that because you have to be prepared for war. Right. Like I don't understand this whole – because I've heard a lot of stuff about you know they're making boot camp less intense and yeah. stuff like that. And I, I can't understand that because that's the whole point. What you're about to see is horrible – And you need to be
1: able to handle it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was my basic training. I had heard rumors about four years later about the mythical stress card. Um, (laughs) Supposedly they had this card and it was laminated. They kept it on their inside pocket of their blouse, of their uniform. And uh, at any given time, if you felt like you were just too stressed out, you could hand this card to a drill sergeant and you would be relieved from duties for, whatever amount of time an hour two hours until you felt you were ready to come back you gotta be kidding no what the hell are these
0: people gonna do when they're in the middle of a firefight yeah that's you can't just go up to your enemy and say hey man i'm really stressed out here here's my card
1: well and cell phones too um a lot of guys now you'll see pictures on their facebook's of basic training personally i didn't see my cell phone at all i saw it twice during basic training,
0: and that was probably to call home and say hi. Yeah, and that was it. I?
1: I got to call home and say, "Hey, I made it here. I'm I'm still alive." And then I had to hang up the phone. Drill sergeant breathing down my neck the whole time. The second time, unfortunately, we had a guy actually get through maps. Uh, didn't realize he had some kind of a heart condition. Uh, we had a particularly hard day, and during a fire watch. Um, some guy was going around checking on all the guys in the beds, making sure they were still there and okay. He comes out screaming, this guy's dead. He's dead. We're like, what the hell is going on? So the drill sergeant comes running and sure enough, some guy got in, I think he was about 27, 28, kind of old for an enlisted guy at basic. Um, his heart stopped like right in the middle of the night. Yeah. His family was pretty broken up about it. Um, it was kind of a, an odd situation. You don't really see a lot. We, uh, I actually attended my first military funeral at basic training. Wow. Yeah. So it uh, it was a shock, but they gave us our phones after that day because I'm pretty sure it got leaked to the press one way or another. Oh, really? And they said, call your families, let them know you're alive.
0: Right. So, That's not their
1: fault, though. I mean, nobody no, knew wasn't. the
0: guy had a heart condition.
1: No, MEPS should have caught it. I mean, they did... Uh, a pretty good physical exam of us, um, before we got in, um, <laughs> I joked around with him. I ended up getting to the front of the line for the one-on-one doctor interview and everybody at, uh, maps, they're like, Hey, he's gonna, you know, stick a finger, you know, up the <laughs> up the rear to make sure nothing's wrong. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. So I, I ended up being the first guy to go in and I did the exam. He did not do this. Thank God. <laughs> um, but as I walk out the door, I started holding on to my ass, and I'm kind of limping and grimacing, and I'm like, so oh, you're my you're fucking God. with everybody else? Yeah, some guy, I got back in line. He's like, what the hell happened? I'm like, dude, that that doctor has huge fingers. I mean, like, you wouldn't believe it. Oh, Jesus. And he's sweating bullets. I mean, he's just <laughs> losing it. So they... They send the next guy in, and he comes out, and he's flipping me the bird, like, "Yeah, thanks a lot, asshole." <laughs> yeah, <had them> <laughs> like, I probably scared. just failed my blood pressure test because of you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. That was good. Uh, good time. So, now how long were you in boot camp? How long does boot camp go for? Ten weeks technically, with zero week. It's nine weeks of training. Okay, and yeah. then. You have, like, a graduation ceremony afterwards, like in yeah. the movies? Yep. Okay. Yeah.
1: Family day the day before. Um, we all marched in our dress uniforms. Um, got to go out for, I think we got, like, a four-hour, five-hour pass. You could go out with your family that was there with you. And then you had to report back. And that was pretty much the big graduation ceremony. We were up on stage. We went up individually, said our first and last names in our ranks. Um, they... The only thing you really get you don't really get a diploma so to speak right um, it's
0: a, here's your army diploma yeah exactly <laughs> they, they give you
1: a ribbon uh the army service ribbon it looks like a rainbow every single soldier in the u.s army has one okay uh, we had three ribbons i think at basic training we got a uh, national defense service medal for enlisting during a time of conflict an Army service ribbon, and a... There is, I'm sorry, there's a basic training graduation ribbon, if I'm not mistaken, because I know we had three for sure. Because we every award you get in the military is is kind of ranked, and that's how you'll see a soldier's rack of awards put together okay. based on what the highest award is. It'll be further to the top and to the left, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So, so, but, uh, so
0: you get through... So okay, you're working at Radio Shack. You get mm. fired. You decide I'm signing up for the military. Sign up for the military. Now you're you, you get through boot camp. What's your mindset at this point? Like,
1: uh, I mean, at this point, we're getting on a bus and we're going to AIT. It's advanced advanced individual training. Um, basically, learning your actual military job. Uh, field artillery was short five weeks. I mean, I could teach a monkey how to shoot a howitzer cannon. It's really not that complicated. Was it fun, though? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. At basic training, you get to shoot, like, the M16, the M249 saw, uh, squad automatic weapon, little light machine gun, belt-fed, 556. And then you get to shoot the 240 Bravo, which is belt-fed, 762. Uh, Those are considered cruiser weapons, but that's all. Well, no, I'm sorry. Um, You do shoot the M203 at basic training, the under-barrel grenade launcher. And we fired some kind of a blank, uh, like, tracer round out of the AT-4 rocket launchers, anti-tank weapons. Uh, A couple of guys got to fire a live one. I was included uh, because I had one of the best rifle qualification scores, so I got to shoot a live AT-4. What was that like? Oh, it's badass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they had, like, a a bunch of busted-up cars and stuff out in the range and they the sight on this thing is real basic it's just a open circle with a pin in the middle so you're iron sighted more or less there's no digital targeting with an at4 you just let it go Uh, it's got a damn good kill radius like 60 meters i want to say didn't even come close to the car when i shot it but to be able to shoot a rocket launcher you know being a 24 year old guy dude that's the
0: most badass thing ever yeah
1: i've shot handguns ars shotguns before this but yeah i mean once you get there and you realize like i'm shooting high grade weaponry, right right. it's pretty badass
0: right oh my god yeah well yeah like rocket launchers you see that shit in video games you know what i mean like and then you're you're there with one on your shoulder just shooting
1: it yeah heavy (laughs) son of a bitch too it's probably like 30 pounds um the grenade launchers were a lot of fun the 203 we were shooting dummy rounds out of but i mean still you you get to shoot a grenade launcher right like every every guy dreams of this after they played a video game (laughs) once in their life they're like i want to shoot this thing (laughs) live i want to see what it does so we did get to throw hand grenades live uh that was a great time was that scary not really the, the instructor screwed with me a little bit a lot of people don't know but pulling the pin on a grenade does not activate the fuse it's got a safety grip so it's set up almost like a fire extinguisher is the way that i looked at it uh, but you would pull the pin and as long as you held the safety you haven't initiated the sequence that's going to make this grenade explode and
0: the safety is that little lever yeah exactly okay
1: looks like a little squeeze handle okay so he tells me he's like all right pick up your grenade i pick it up he says all right pull your pin and i pulled the pin and he just kind of sat there he's like hey you nervous yet (laughs) i'm like no i trust you you wouldn't do anything because it'll kill you too right he's like oh smart ass and he's like all right throw your grenade and i whipped it over the wall Uh, we had one girl drop it straight up over the wall. Didn't throw it more than five feet. Yeah. They dig a hole in the pits, like as you're throwing the grenade just in case. So if you drop that grenade, you get to get thrown into the pit with the instructor and hopefully not get your shit blown off.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. What's it like when a grenade goes off?
1: Uh, it was pretty far out that I threw mine. Um, I heard it go off in the distance. We all got to see them. There was kind of an underground bunker that we were lined up waiting to take our turns, and you could see them out in the distance. They they blow up, you know, pretty good, pretty decent fashion. Yeah, you could probably get ten to fifteen meters worth of shrapnel flying around. Wow. Yeah. Now in
0: feet, what's what's the radius in feet? I don't know the conversion from meters. Oh, you'd be
1: talking. 45 50 feet wow are you kidding me no yeah it should be able a little bit of shrapnel will reach out that far you won't do any significant damage outside of maybe 20 feet but there's still a chance with an m67 frag that outside of 50 feet you might still cause a little damage
0: wow wow and you say okay so you say that um this part of the training was what five weeks long
1: i think we did grenades about five weeks um or that was five weeks into basic actually ait was five weeks long um, that was week one just kind of in processing uh two, week two we did bigger crew serves we did the 50 cal m2 the mod if you will uh 50 cal belted full auto <laughs> mounted to a truck or i think we actually shot them on tripods uh you were sitting down and this thing was like you know the equivalent of being in your lap as you were shooting it Uh, that's a wild weapon to be able to fire and set up to Uh, then we shot the mark 19 uh, 40 millimeter belt fed automatic grenade launchers
0: whoa yeah,
1: great time whoa
0: yeah. that's a <laughs> weapon
1: system that every guy wants to fire <laughs> but you haven't lived until you shot an automatic grenade launcher
0: now were those were those rounds live or were those yeah dummies? we shot live yeah, yeah. oh that's yeah. badass dude that's Ooh.
1: badass
0: wow okay so so you get through that five weeks now yep. how long between that five weeks and your deployment?
1: 30 days. Really? Yeah. Now, did you know when you were in that course that you were going? Vaguely, yeah. You Um, had an idea? About week four, they issue your actual army orders uh, for your unit that you're going to be assigned to. Uh, Mine said 4th Brigade, 10th Mountain Division, Rear D, uh, which is rear detention. If you're in a Rear D unit, there's only one of two possibilities. Either you're not going to deploy... Or your unit is already deployed and you're still within the time window to be shipped over there so when i deployed it was maybe 60 days i think into their deployment and when i got to my unit i reported to the commander uh, saluted him you know private manos reporting for duty sir as i was at the time and hit first words out of his mouth you know you're deploying right I said, no, sir. Uh, But they warned me, the instructors at AIT, they said, your unit is deployed. We don't know when they deployed and we don't know where, but we know they are deployed. So there is a 50-50 shot that you're probably going to get sent overseas the second you get to Fort Polk.
0: Okay, so now when you find that out, Mm. where's your mind at?
1: Uh, That's the old shit moment for sure. Yeah? I mean like oh shit this is real yeah the second i got the orders we had access to our cell phones at ait after duty hours um it's more like the real active duty army we actually got like weekends off and they kind of teach you how it's going to be in a general army unit Uh, so i called my dad and i said dad my unit's already deployed he said what do you mean And I said, well, I got my orders and I'm rear detention, so the unit is already gone. There's a small contingent of guys left at Fort Polk in the 4th Brigade, 10th Mountain that are still there in my unit, but it's for a reason. They're probably there because they had an injury during training. They're non-deployable for some reason. Or they just got selected for rear D because you do need a small contingent of people to maintain things back on base while the unit's deployed. Okay. He says, "So what does that mean?" I said, "Well, it means I'm probably going to deploy." He said, "Wow." He's like, "Did you did you know it was going to be so soon?" I said, "Of course not. I had no idea what I was signing up for." Uh, the first time I got a paycheck at basic training, I sent him a letter saying I I was like, "This isn't worth it." <laughs> and I, I didn't realize, like, how poorly paid the military was. That was a shocker. Um, but it, it's not as bad when you're deployed. It's tax-free. You got combat pay. I mean, I I probably grossed, like, 38000 when I was deployed. That's like not that. terrible. Not for an E3. I Especially was, uh, at, what, 25 years old? 20, yeah, 24 25. years old. Yeah. I would have been working a dead-at-nothing job anyway. Right. So, I mean, I wasn't that mad about it, but. Yeah, I told them, you know, likely it means a deployment, and sure enough, it did. Um, I reported to the commander. He made his statement, and he said, do you have any questions? I said, can I ask when? He's like, you need about 30 days. We have to send you through a PowerPoint presentation about the Afghan culture and what to expect. You're going to spend probably a week doing that. You got another week of getting new gear. Um, At the time, we were in ACUs, the gray and green digital camo. Uh, Deployment uniform was multi-cam, which is now the standard uniform for the Army. So we had to get a whole new set of gear. Um, Week three, I think we zeroed out our weapons one last time. And that fourth week was just getting a plane ticket and a passport and making sure everything was good to go for you to get on the plane. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Holy shit, man. Wow. Okay, so you are, you find out you're getting deployed, mm-hmm. and you say it's 30 days from the time you left the, the AIT school? Yeah. Okay, it's 30 days from, from AIT school to when you deploy. Correct. Now, in that 30 days, did you get to go home, or were you on a base, or? Um,
1: I got to go home twice, uh, once right after AIT for a week and i think i managed to pull off christmas i'm pretty sure yeah they gave me i want to say 15 days so
0: you deployed right after christmas then
1: yeah yeah it was wow about
0: mid january i think by the time i was gone okay um the day you got on the plane Mm -hmm. for
1: afghanistan yeah
0: where was your head at what were you thinking uh
1: made a lot of phone calls the day before that um You know, told everybody what was going on. Had to read a will uh, at the age of 25. What was that like? (laughs) That's wild. Um, Just just the sheer realization that I own like nothing at the age of 25. (laughs) I was like, oh, I don't have to will a house to anybody. I don't have a house. I guess, uh, you know, my best friend Hendrix, he gets my guitar. He gets the Xbox um i'll give my car to my little sister and whatever's in my bank account can be (laughs) divided amongst my family um had to write our uh soldier group life insurance primary benefactor uh split it evenly between my mom and my dad uh that's 400 grand wow yeah if you're killed overseas so wow yeah that one right there i was like wow yeah, I I came home and I told my parents that I signed this form and I'm like, I'm surprised you haven't bumped me off yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the payoff. Two hundred and fifty K between the two of you or two hundred and
0: two hundred K. That's a fat chunk of change, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, they
1: they got some benefits.
0: So so you're on the plane. How long of a how long of a, mm. a flight from here or where were you when you left for Afghanistan?
1: Uh, I was at Fort Polk, Louisiana, uh, got on a plane in Alexandria, which was the smallest plane I've ever been on. Still had propellers on the front of it. It was a prop plane. You flew uh, all the
0: way to Afghanistan in a prop prop plane? No, 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 no. (laughs) Thank God. I was going to say, Jesus Christ, man. That's, that's the United States
1: military. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we flew from Alexandria to Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, got on a real plane and uh, 747 whatever it was went to bangor maine uh, boarded a bigger commercial aircraft i think it was like a double decker aircraft because there was probably 80 of us at least that were in the same boat i was just got out of base and getting ready to deploy Um, and from there london england to refuel uh, germany where we had a layover, I got to spend like three days in Bathurst, Germany. Uh, they had to end up giving us hotel vouchers, and um, we got to spend a weekend there. Last time I saw a beer uh, for a year, <laughs> so really, yeah, good place to have one though. Oh well, yeah, you're in Germany, in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then from there, uh, we got to Manus Air Force Base in Kyrgyzstan, which is north of Afghanistan, pretty much by Russia, if I'm not mistaken. And we boarded a C-17. No, uh, no, I can't remember the designation, but it might have been a C-17. It's basically um, an AC-130 minus the guns, like an AC-130 gunship. Okay. It's just a big, giant military aircraft. I mean, this thing had like a push-in row of seating. And if you weren't (laughs) sitting on the sides of the plane, which luckily I was, the middle row of seating was still kind of free like you had a gap in between where the rack went in so when the plane took off it was like a roller coaster they all went flying backwards (coughs) like 10 feet come to a slam (coughs) stop and when you land they they landed us at Fob shank in afghanistan which was southeast in the country uh right by the border of pakistan which is where i kind of ended up staying um, but when they land, they do a combat landing. Uh, you don't want to come down in a real straight line, slow fashioned in a large aircraft because you're RPG fodder. I mean, that was the number one attack point at fob shank was the flight line.
0: Really? Mm. So they, you would just
1: be flying in and they'd be firing RPGs, uh, mortars, RPGs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Any, anything they could get to try to disable an aircraft basically.
0: Now, did it, when when you were flying in, did it, did they shoot anything at you? Yeah, yeah. really. Day one
1: um, <laughs> as soon as I got off, the bird, sirens went off and incoming was coming in to the flight line, uh, mortars, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my! They God. threw us into bunkers and it eventually all cleared. They they really have no idea how to shoot that technology over there. Yeah, the you would think it's pretty basic, and it is. But there is a precision way to aim a mortar tube but they don't they just shoot it see where it lands and then they kind of adjust and try to walk them in
0: oh okay yeah. like they kentucky wind it yeah basically. exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah that
1: was about as advanced as the insurgency was whatever you want to call them the taliban um we we refer to them as haji uh, i mean as insensitive as that may be um hey you know what you're in the military yeah yeah and uh, it's a dehumanization process it was no different than vietnam with you know gooks, whatever you right. want to call them it was no different than the krauts in world war ii every every enemy force has always had a nickname for right. the us military you
0: have to do that you have to because yeah. if if you're you have to you the enemy has to be the enemy they right. can't be like oh it's just that guy george over there you know yeah. what i mean no, you have to be like i gotta kill that
1: guy yeah absolutely yeah he's not even a guy Uh, you have to eliminate that enemy that is the proper terminology i'm gonna eliminate that enemy um i mean you'll hear a lot of jokes like unalive that guy (laughs) unalive yeah oh yeah yeah that's a big one um but i mean in terms of you know the incoming coming down and at first that's a big shock um Where I ended up going, it was fairly calm for the most part, but we took in coming every once in a while. You just get used to it. Uh, You hear the noise. You know how far away it is. Uh, You know how dangerous the situation might be. Uh, I would sleep through it by probably three months into country. Oh, my
0: God. You're sleeping through mortar attacks? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Dude, all right. I'll tell you what. Me in that situation, I'm hmm? shitting my pants 24-7. I'm t- I mean, I'm sure I could handle it, but, yeah. dude, uh, I'd yeah. be scared the whole fucking time. I, I'm not ashamed to admit that. I'd be yeah. scared the whole time.
1: I mean, it's nerve-wracking. Um, homesickness is the worst of it by far. Yeah. That and where I landed, you, you go to your, you know, Fob, Afford operating base. It's a nice big built-up area. Fob Shank had like a Burger King, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> like a pizza hut on it. Um which is you know, a lot of people during this Afghan withdrawal were talking about Bagram Air Force Base and why it got abandoned. And I can tell you I spent maybe a week and a half at Bagram, uh waiting to go back home. It is legitimately the safest place in Afghanistan.
0: Well, maybe oh, it yeah.
1: was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not anymore. It's probably <laughs> occupied by the Taliban. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like they did, I know for sure, because I ate Burger King at Bagram Air Force Base. (laughs) Burger King is one of those staples of the military. If you go on any military base, there's always a Burger King. They just,
0: they just prefer Burger King over McDonald's or Taco Bell. I think
1: it's something to do with like licensing or something, or they buy like the rights to be on a military base. It was always like when you go into a PX, a military mall, there's always a food court. And it's always a combination of, like, a Taco Bell, a Burger King, a Subway, some pizza joint, and a place called Charlie's that made, like, really good grilled Philly cheesesteaks. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had some decent food, actually. But Now, did you... I'm.
0: Sh- this might be a stupid question, because mm. I don't know exactly how the military works, but did you get a chance to eat any afghan food yeah absolutely. did you really
1: yeah we had afghan national army and afghan national police on the uh, cop with us a combat outpost um i wound up at Sayadabad. um the afghan national army and afghan national police being muslim culture they don't eat our food they eat what is basically equivalent to like a kosher diet um no pork um Not real big on beef, just because it's not really in abundance out there. Right, Um, you can't raise cattle in the desert. Yeah, it's it's a lot of goat and lamb. You'll catch beef occasionally, but not very often. They're big on kebabs, tabbouleh, flatbread they call naan. We actually had a guy on our combat outpost that uh, set up a little naan shop. And for like 50 cents, he would give you what was like the equivalent of a large pizza crust. And they'd cook it in this oven that was like underneath the ground. It's kind of neat, actually, the way they did it. And they they made it with like goat cheese inside, goat meat. You get one that was like a sweet bread that was covered in sesame seeds, and one that was just like real basic. But it was bomb ass food. It was good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah, they know how to cook over there. Yeah, they um because they didn't eat our diet, they would get like shipments of firewood and stuff in so they could do their cooking.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yep. So, now, did you interact with, because you said you had Afghan army? Yeah. Did you interact with those people, Uh, you personally?
1: The Afghan National Army, a little bit here and there, Uh, I got assigned with a section chief to train Afghan National Army to shoot an old 120-millimeter Russian artillery piece at a different compound. So that we got to go out there and actually train them how to shoot a howitzer the proper way. Wow. Yeah. And they they adapted to it fairly well. Um, but I highly doubt that training stuck. Uh really? interpreters seemed to be few and far between where I was. So there was a big communication barrier. Oh,
0: they could they didn't understand you and you no, didn't understand no, no.
1: yeah, there was hardly anybody there that spoke even better than broken English. Wow. Yeah, I interacted with the Afghan National Police more than the Afghan National Army. Uh, we had a guard tower that we were assigned on the cop and we pulled guard shift with the Afghan National Police force. Okay. So we would always have somebody up in the tower with us pulling a shift. Okay. Yeah, they liked to fall asleep. They were lazy as shit. <laughs> uh-huh. Um they most of them had no idea how to operate their weapons um i recall cleaning a couple of guys ak's more than once um, really? just because i'd i'd never seen a full auto ak until i got to afghanistan i mean these are like old like russian soviet AKs. style ak yeah they're not brand new technology these are 1980s and back wow uh, which says a lot for the ak platform though um well, yeah, survive
0: the desert
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you could drop these things in dust, mud, pour sand down the barrel. You can do whatever you want to it. If you slap thirty rounds in it and hold the trigger, you are firing thirty rounds. Wow! Yeah, they're they're a nice little piece of machinery. You got
0: to hand it to the Russians. To be, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I am not a communist, okay, but
1: they build some good guns, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, it's the most popular you know rifle build in the world if i'm not mistaken probably second only to the ar the ar is probably more prevalent in the states but in every other civilized country in the world the ak is still none old. you know the the rifle that's issued wow yeah so now you
0: so you're on a base yep now is that around a town is that in in a city
1: uh it's pretty close to a village that's actually syadabad oh okay
0: um, so it was syadabad
1: yep yeah okay. Sayadabad, afghanistan and uh wargar or i'm sorry War, logar wardak province okay. afghanistan um it's all provinces out there we were right on the border of pakistan if i'm not mistaken it was like dead on the border of pakistan okay yeah which is where a lot of that stuff comes from materials for bombs uh enemy you know fighters they pretty much seem to stem from pakistan from what our intelligence was telling us anyway okay yeah yeah and it was probably about mile and a half two miles off base you could see it from second guard towers you could literally see the village did you ever get to go into the village and- uh me personally no no uh, we never patrolled out there It was a fairly calm area Out in the village, Um, I think our presence out there really staved off a lot of the enemy fighters from trying to gain a foothold there. It was just too close. Uh, We could range it with a howitzer, it was actually probably outside of minimum range of a howitzer cannon. But we had close air support, we had infantry battalions, uh, we had a special forces group on the cop. Hell, they probably could have rode out there in doom buggies and subdued an enemy force. So you guys were basically protecting this town. then. Yeah, more or less. uh, There was a valley that our infantry patrolled almost on a daily basis. It was called the Tangy Valley. I I personally uh, never drove through there, but I had heard stories from the infantry that that was a nasty, nasty area. Really? Uh, Our howitzers, we had three of them on the compound, and they were constantly pointed in that direction. Uh, especially the 155 millimeter gun we had uh m triple seven 155 millimeter howitzer and two m119ers uh those are 105 millimeter cannons and constantly pointed in the direction of the tangy valley that's where everything was stepping from wow Yeah. yeah you hear about like the corn gall Uh, there was that movie Restrepo that was real popular. Um, that's the Korengal Valley that was considered the most dangerous area in Afghanistan. I think the Tangy Valley was like a close second.
0: Wow. Wow. So you're like, I mean, the area you were at, you said it was calm, but it was like at the same time, it was no joke.
1: Oh no, not at all. Yeah. We had compounds close to us. Uh, shout out to the guys from cop Kirwar that were attacked almost on the daily. And it was funny we ended up having an incident at our compound uh involving the firewood trucks enemy got real smart they realized that this truck full of firewood was getting through checkpoints fairly easily Um, so one day they hijacked one Uh, They took all the wood out, loaded it with 2,700 pounds worth of homemade explosives, and then put the firewood back over the top of it. Holy shit, dude. They drove it into our compound and detonated. Uh, Their goal, apparently, was to blow a hole in the T-walls, like big concrete walls, and then drive a second truck inside the compound and detonate again
0: oh my god
1: yeah it was the at the time uh when they hit us with it it caused 92 casualties or 88 it was the single largest casualty producing event in the history of the afghan campaign at the time and this was 9 11 2011. were were you there when that happened yeah you were there with oh my god yeah that was toward the tail end of our deployment if i'm not mistaken what the
0: hell were you like
1: uh i remember somebody yelling incoming uh i was sitting on a howitzer cannon uh felt the blast wave um we had a couple guys out at the gym at the time and that was our initial thought was oh god we got to find you know these two guys uh because it detonated pretty close to the gym it was rated like the first checkpoint uh they injured 88 they killed four local nationals but didn't kill any u.s personnel so wow yeah it was all over cnn uh we had mild access to internet and a satellite phone apparently the story broke on cnn like not even three hours after the attack wow yeah so i i got online and uh you know got a hold of my folks and they're like hey what the hell happened we see this on the news like isn't this where you are and we weren't really supposed to divulge that kind of information. So I said, I can't really tell you anything. But yeah, we were attacked and yeah, I'm fine. Whoa, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty nasty. Um, the second truck apparently drove to the wrong compound, uh, drove his truck into cop shark, if I'm not mistaken, it was called. And they took a pretty decent hit, too, but not oh. even close to the damage they caused us out of bed. They hit us right at chow time. And they, oh. they drove it in the general direction of the Chow Tent, which was destroyed. Everything oh. on that side of the compound was leveled. I mean, like something you'd see out of a movie, Mushroom Cloud. There's somebody yelled the incoming, and I just thought, incoming what? Scud missiles? <laughs> like, I really, really hope that's not incoming. Uh, turned out to be a suicide bomber. It's kind of their M.O.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is like. Dude, that's probably, like, the most heavy-duty story I think I've ever heard. (laughs) Like, I'm like, wow, I'm blown away. Holy shit, dude.
1: Yeah, that was shocking. That was the first big major attack they hit us with, and pretty much the last one, because uh, once that popped off, it was fair game. Uh, I think we shot 2,000-some-odd rounds in combat uh most of them after that event we started really really ramping up pressure trying to subdue any kind of secondary attack while we were rebuilding so, holy shit man so you guys like
0: now after they like they suicide bombed you was yeah. there a battle that followed or was it just
1: no yeah fortunately they uh diverted that other truck to some other area we pulled guard shifts um Twenty-four hours a day. After that, on and off, on and off. Everybody was manning guard towers because we were pretty short. I think there was probably two hundred of us on the cop. So you're talking eighty-eight down. We're operating at sixty percent, fifty percent effectiveness. Oh. I mean, all kinds of people with real bad injuries. There were a lot of purple hearts that came out of Saotabod. Yeah, we got a we got a combat action badge out of that. Um It's basically a badge if you're engaged by or engaged the enemy. Uh, Cop Kiroir, even though they were attacked every day, there were a couple of guys that paperwork-wise didn't get it filed correctly and never got a combat action badge out of it. I mean, they they got screwed. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's kind of bragging rights, like when you got that badge on your chest. Like that's And you the, deserve
0: you at least deserve the badge.
1: Yeah, and not only that, but it's worth promotion points. Uh, I think at the time it was like 40 promotion points, which is huge. Because when you're trying to make non-commissioned officer, you need those points. Right. And that 40 points right there can make or break you for your next rank. So, yeah, they uh, there's a lot of things like that you know, that can go wrong and a soldier doesn't get the recognition they deserve and really gets screwed out of some rank. Oh, man.
0: That's so terrible to hear, yeah. especially when you go through hell like that. That mm-hmm. is just absolutely terrible to hear. That's disappointing.
1: Yeah, yeah. We felt the same way. Uh, I mean, when we got back, we were getting them pinned on our chest, the combat action badges, and uh, you just saw this, like, small contingent of guys in the unit that were off to the side, like hanging out not getting theirs and oh. it was disheartening. I mean they deserved a lot more than they got.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, that is shame on you US US military. Shame on you.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of politics that goes into awards. Um I mean you got like a second lieutenant that'll do a deployment and get a bronze star just for being over there. Uh when us enlisted guys got back, I got like an Army achievement medal, I think which is like the bare bones like you you get an army achievement medal for scoring well on a pt test right so it's it's about rank it's about time and grade time and service like higher ranks get higher rewards that's all there is to it
0: now lighten it back up a little bit that was heavy man wow that was heavy
1: (laughs) um so how long how long was your deployment
0: how long were you there
1: i was there 10 months uh, the other guys that were there because i got there late they were there a full year
0: now when your deployment ended was that they just because obviously you know they didn't pull forces until like a couple months ago but like right wh- why did your deployment end just- uh
1: at the time it was some kind of a time limit the army had put on after the whole stop uh stop loss policy from Iraq. Uh, you had some guys that were out there getting stop loss, and they were deployed in Iraq for 15 months straight. Uh, the Army had a policy that no soldier was supposed to do more than 12 months, and you actually got mid-tour leave uh, during a deployment. So you'd get like a free 15 days worth of leave where you'd go home, and then you'd have to report back to the country. Okay. So they, the reason that my unit left is just because they hit the time limit. Like I, I didn't get mid tour leave because I got there late. I did ten months straight. My that was one of the first experiences getting a FOB shank. I met First Sergeant Deville, uh, great guy, awesome. Uh, one day if he listens, he'll he'll know that's top. Uh, but I met him and he said, "Don't even ask me about mid tour leave because you ain't getting it." <laughs> I mean, he was. I think he was straight from Louisiana. Had a real thick Southern accent. I said, I wasn't even gonna ask. He's <laughs> like, Yeah, that's probably for the best. He's like, You're you're gonna do ten months straight and that's all there is to it. Oh. I'm like, All right, this is what it is. So.
0: Now, did you, you only did one tour of duty? Yeah. Okay. So you spent ten months of your life in Afghanistan. Yep. What the fuck is that country like? <laughs> like it's, just uh, the country itself. You it's know dry, I
1: mean? it's weird. Uh contrary to popular belief, it's not a desert. No? Uh, no, four seasons, absolutely. I really? got there in early February, and I was knee-deep in snow. One of my first memories was getting uh, tackled by a couple of guys in the unit, uh, duct taped to the tube of the M777 house, oh, the Jesus. big one. And then they <laughs> proceeded to raise me up on the tube and throw snowballs at me. It's kind of a artillery rite of passage. Right, okay, yeah, okay. It's, it's all in, It's all in good fun. They'd call it hazing now, right. unfortunately, but... I mean, it's just something we all did. It was good fun.
0: (laughs) I did not know that. I I honestly thought it was just a shithole desert country. Yeah,
1: a lot of people do. It's uh, reminded me a lot of Colorado. Um, I spent like a year in Colorado Springs at Fort Carson. Um, But the landscape out there, mountainous uh, valleys here and there, not a lot of water.
0: Yeah, my understanding of it is that it's like a really heavy mountainous terrain. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's why it's so hard to get those people is because that terrain yeah. is just crazy.
1: Well, they know it a lot better than you do, too. I mean, they've lived there their whole lives. Right. They know all the nooks and crannies. They know the valleys. They know the routes through the mountains to be able to you know move effectively. Uh, it's really not good policy to try to do dismounted patrols in the Army. Um, it's... It's needed sometimes, but in Afghanistan, you'd rather be in up-armored vehicles rolling around. Really? Uh, it's really hard to do, though. Not a lot of good routes out there for that. Because they just, they'll just ambush you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, roadside roadside bombs, uh, if you're mounted, you got a pretty good chance of surviving it. We had MRAPs and MATVs, uh, big up-armored vehicles with heavy armor planing in the bottom, designed to take blasts from IEDs, uh, even to the point where, like, the undercarriage of the the truck is triangular so if a blast hits it'll kind of deflect the blast out to the sides of the vehicle instead of blowing straight through the hole and killing you like the humvees wow yeah so but yeah in terms of the you know the actual terrain out there i think i was at seven thousand two hundred feet on my cop where we were at i remember yeah yeah. okay altitude sickness sucked it hit me for the first probably week I was there. I mean, hard to breathe. You feel dead tired. Uh, you adapt to it pretty quick, but it does take a minute to get wow. used to. Wow. Yeah.
0: Holy shit, man. Now, so so okay. Obviously, I don't I don't want to get too heavy. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to ask any bad questions or anything. But so you do you ten months now how do you find out that you're going home they just do they give you discharge papers or
1: uh, yeah they uh, you kind of know when the next unit is coming in we spend I want to say about a month with the first armored division they came in to take over Sayaadaabad when we were leaving when they got there it was kind of like the relief period like oh thank God somebody else is here for the ship <laughs> here um, was it? Not to cut you off, but
0: you've seen Band of Brothers, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know in Band of Brothers where you've got the group of guys that have been in it for like three years and then you get the group of newbies and they come in and they're all like (laughs) raring to go. Was it like that or no? Was it really?
1: Yeah. Um, They, you know, their spirits are high. They heard about the attack, uh, the big bomb that hit us. Uh, But they seemed like they were generally in pretty good spirits. We built the area up for them. Our gun line, like, we probably lived better than anybody else on the cop. Really? We built ourselves a dining facility. We had a small arms range right on the other side of our compound, surrounded by HESCO walls, uh, big barriers. Uh, We even had, like, I spent probably the first four months of the deployment in a tent. And then we had a bee hut; they called it, hauled in. It was basically like a double long, double wide trailer, and we two man roomed it. Had uh, working air conditioning for maybe two months before it died. But <laughs> uh, it was it was definitely pretty built up for what they had. Everybody else, for the most part, was still living in tents. So
0: you were there when it was hot then? Because you Uh, said you showed up. When you showed up, there was snow on the ground.
1: Yeah, I caught pretty much all of the seasons there, really. Tail end of winter, spring, summer, and coming back into fall, uh, because I didn't leave there until late November, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe early November. I think I got back before Thanksgiving.
0: Was the summer just ridiculously hot? It wasn't as bad as
1: you'd think. Um, I think midday in July it would hit probably – eighty five ninety. Oh,
0: so like yeah. around here then. Yeah,
1: real dry. Um, no humidity out there at all. When it rained, it rained. Um, but we saw dust storms almost on a bi weekly basis. I mean you see dust devil tornadoes thirty feet high. It's actually kind of cool to see. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> all right. So so now you find out, you know, you, you got a good sense you're going home. How are you feeling? you excited you're ready to go oh yeah 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 that's pretty obvious yeah Yeah, you
1: get two weeks of free leave when you get back so you know you're going home at a certain point um we got back got the free two weeks and then not even two weeks later was christmas so we got another 15 day block of leave nice so we didn't do jack shit Uh, we got back turned in our multi-cam gear and we did uh what do they call it it's some kind of reintegration training if you will They know, like, you've been over there for so long in a combat environment that you might not really adapt uh, back to the civilian style of life real quick. Even when you're on a military base, you know, you still got your family there. You still have to interact with people again. You're out in the population. They want to make sure you're not in that, you know, war War mindset anymore. Yeah, so they break you down a little bit again, let you relax for a good 60, 90 days, I think, was, like, the decompression period. So... So you get
0: home from your deployment now. Does that mean that your service is over, or are you still involved in the military in some way?
1: No, yeah, still active duty. Now, how long uh, yeah. did that last? Still had another four years left on the contract.
0: So what did you have to do? Like National Guard work?
1: No, no, not at all. Uh, I don't active. Don't active, take that as an insult. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's okay. laughs> yeah, active duty Army life. Uh, when you're back in garrison. Uh, you're working five days a week. We worked from sun up till sundown. Our unit was old school. We trained, trained, oh, you just trained, trained. trained, yeah. We got back, had to do a PT test almost immediately, and then we did a rifle qualification. You have to do it every six months. Uh, it's almost like you know truck drivers renewing their CDLs. Like uh, eventually, you're gonna have to recertify as a soldier and make sure that you're still physically fit. There's always some you know, regulation, some standard you're going to have to meet. So we train five days a week, um, PT in the morning, clean up the motor pool on Mondays, do some kind of field artillery training Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday was generally kind of laid back, just cleaning everything up, and then you had the weekends off. Wow. Yeah, wasn't too bad. And that was four more years of that? Uh, About two and a half three okay uh then we came up on another deployment and they were drawing down the force at that point under Obama um they told me I could either re-enlist for another four years and deploy or they would cut my ETS date early which is your end term of service so I asked them if I could extend and do another deployment but they told me it wasn't an option at that point and uh, I ended up getting out, and they cut my ETS days short by probably a year and a half, I think.
0: Wow. Now, if you don't mind me asking, what, why did you want to stay in? Why did you want to go back? Uh, you like part it? Of
1: it? Part of it was the the fact that i have been with that unit the entire time. Like, you know these guys. Um, so it's was, like a
0: brotherhood thing yeah and
1: I was training soldiers at this point like I had guys underneath me that looked up to me and um, I was pretty high speed in the unit I ended up getting pegged as a first sergeant's driver I drove the commander of the battery I drove the battalion commander around Um, wow I was really good at my job uh, ranked up pretty fast Um, but at the end of the day uh, I wanted to deploy because I didn't want to leave those guys you know back out there by themselves yeah, just the thought of leaving them behind kind of sucked that's incredible man
0: that okay. is incredible that is that's selfless
1: that's that's incredible it's kind of the mentality you have to have going in i mean if you go in for the pay you're going in for the wrong reason period like if and you you've been around these same you know group of guys for two years three years a couple of them were still there from the original, you know, attack in Afghanistan that I went through and to think that they had to go back over there without me was heartbreaking. I mean, I, I won't lie. I I cried when I was up in front of the formation, like I was getting out, they hadn't deployed yet. And they asked me to, you know, say a few words. And I just said, trust your leaders, you know, keep your heads down out there. Don't get stupid. Uh, But I mean, at that point I was shedding tears wow yeah had to all right it's it's rough getting out a lot of guys like you you always get asked that question like why did you get out and there's never a good answer for it uh some guys will tell you they were starting a business or they were getting married or you know i just want to be a family man again but at heart they're all still soldiers you'll never lose that mentality Wow,
0: that's incredible man that is incredible that kind of renews my faith in people a little bit that someone can be that selfless uh, it, takes, it
1: takes a lot to be you know in that environment for as long as you are like it, it's a whole different mentality than civilian life it, it, it almost makes you bitter in a way <laughs> like i have i worked a job after i got out at time warner cable in colorado and i was a like a tech support guy and i'll never forget like having customers in my line saying things like i can't live without my cable tv <laughs> it's like oh my god you have no you got idea. no idea oh yeah. man which i mean you see like the political landscape now and everybody's saying you know these things like the police forces are out of control and you know we need all this government spending for this and that it's like you have no clue how good you have it in the states the united states is free It's fair, and everybody has the same chance to be successful. And anybody who says otherwise is just delusional. Period.
0: You heard it here first, folks. That's coming straight from a member of the U.S. military. Former member? Yeah. Former member of the U.S. military. Take it seriously. That's, wow, dude. Wow. So you're, so now you're back in civilian life. Was it shocking?
1: at first kind of yeah you Um, had a
0: hard did you have a hard time adjusting
1: yeah and i mean even still to this day i mean there's still little things that you know civilian wise at work that'll still drive you insane like i I work at a nursing facility now as a maintenance director and just seeing like somebody you know at a base level position get insubordinate with a leader and my first thought is god i wish i could just like (laughs) give you an entrenching tool to make you dig a six foot hole out in the dirt for no apparent reason. And then look at you sideways and be like, why the hell did you dig that hole? And like, what are you doing? Fill that hole back up. Like it, there were two punishments in the army. They would either mess with your pay or they'd make you do extra duty. We called it a forty five, forty five. It was like a, Month and a half long period of filling sandbags and doing real shit details. Oh, God. And then they would also cut your paycheck in half for uh, 45 days, which equated to three military paychecks. Uh. So if they, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if they would institute this in civilian life, the United States would be the largest producer of every good known to man. <laughs> like, nobody would step out of line. Nobody would just you know, slack off at the job because the second they did it and you start messing with their paychecks or you're having them do this extra work for, you know, half the pay, they're not gonna screw up again. Right. And in the military, if you screwed up again after that, you were gone. That was it. And I personally I think that's how it should be in the civilian world.
0: You know, I I can I can agree with that because in the trade that I work in Ooh, I got to be real careful about how I say this. <laughs> a lot of the younger guys and I I will admit this too when I was young I was the same way. Yeah. But a lot of the younger guys that don't have the experience and the knowledge. Yeah. Think they're worth what the older guys are worth and <laughs> yeah. they're not. Yeah. Doesn't and they everybody? cry and they complain and it, again it's like dude you don't know you don't know what it takes to make that level of money right.
1: you know yeah they uh i mean i'll say the same thing like even in a broader term this whole generation of 15 dollar an hour minimum wage and you know the the general lack of a work ethic is disheartening to say the least and uh it's such a, a feeling of entitlement that they have like i i got this job you owe me this wage i don't I don't owe you anything. Right. As an employer, personally, I even think minimum wage laws are pretty ridiculous. All it's going to lead to is more inflation. Well,
0: I agree Uh, with that. My only, I I agree with you. My only thing with the minimum wage is I can understand their point Mm -hmm. coming from the perspective of the cost of living. Sure. Sure. Because, dude, when milk is, you know... I don't know what it is right now because I haven't bought a gallon of milk yeah, in a while. Knows. But yeah. when when a gallon of milk is three fifty or four dollars a gallon, yeah. and you're making nine bucks an hour, mm-hmm. that fucking sucks. Sure, you know what sure. I mean. But but that's about the only area that I can relate with that. Other than the other thing too is, and this has been kind of a change in thinking on my part, is mm-hmm. that. There's no reason why a company like Amazon or, you know, I can understand McDonald's not paying $15 an hour because here's the thing people don't get about that. Mm -hmm. Your local McDonald's is not owned by some big fucking corporation in wherever McDonald's is located.
1: No, yeah. Generally your, for your
0: local McDonald's is owned by some dude that more than likely lives in the community. Yes, he makes more money than you do by yeah. a long shot. Oh, yeah. But he's not McDonald's. That guy has to pay his employees. Yeah, he owns true. the store. The only thing that McDonald's Corporation has to do with that store is they give you the menu, the name, the architecture. Yeah. You're franchising. Right. right.
1: Yeah. Franchise is nothing wrong with that at all. And I don't disagree with the franchise owner getting paid more than the general employee. He's got a better knowledge of business than somebody else, which effectively, you know, equates to a higher wage. Absolutely. And
0: and, uh, that's the whole point. Mm -hmm. of starting a business whether it's a franchise or whatever you want to make more money than that guy over there it makes perfect sense but these people just don't understand that the guy that you're working for is the guy that's paying you yeah mcdonald's corporation just gives that guy the rights to the name
1: yeah and this kind of goes into the like the attack on the higher class that you see now with this build back better act uh, I mean, you hear all this like paying their fair share. I I don't want to side with the billionaires, but the billionaires pay probably seventy percent of the tax liability to the United States. Right. How much more do you want them to pay? Right. And I, at the end of the day, the going back to almost the minimum wage laws. If you raise the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour, that CEO at the top isn't going to you know see that earnings statement and say, oh well, I'm helping the employees. He's going to say my profit margin went down. Yep. So how am I going to recoup that cost? He's going to raise the cost of goods, and he's going to raise the cost of transportation. He's probably going to cut hours in the employees. Yep. That's basic they, economics. Yeah, they'll find a way to do it. That is what I think the new generation doesn't understand about minimum wage laws. Yeah, there should be some kind of a standard of living for everybody. But this ecu- the equity argument that is coming about is just not realistic. No, it's not. You you don't put in equal effort, you shouldn't get an equal outcome.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we kind of went on a tangent there for a minute. <laughs> little, little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay, so you, you know, you did your time in Afghanistan and you're back in in civilian life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> time goes by. Oh, here's one question I wanted to ask you. Did you have to have any experiences with the VA?
1: Uh, Me, personally, not really. Uh, I got out with all four limbs, all 10 digits. Um, I never made a VA claim. Okay. Um, So that's not
0: something you do unless you're injured or have PTSD?
1: It shouldn't be. But uh, there is a culture of false VA claims. Uh, You'll hear a lot of stories from guys about the VA being slow on everything. It's because they're backlogged with bogus claims. I knew a couple of guys in my unit alone that were claiming knee and back pain. Uh, they'd walk around in canes during the workday, and then I'd see them at the bar dancing their asses off, you know, with the whatever stripper they picked up out of the club. Uh, it's it's sad to see. Uh, a lot of guys will abuse that system. That's disappointing. Yeah. Okay.
0: So so time goes by, and here we are in 2021. President Biden decides he wants to look like a hero. Yeah. Essentially, I'm convinced that's what that was. I agree. I'm convinced that and I think that's the same thing as all the the push about the the coronavirus. Hmm. It's Donald Trump screwed it up. This is them saying it, not me. Donald Trump screwed it up. Right. Now we're going to look like the heroes and fix it and we don't give a damn how we do it. We just want to look like heroes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, that goes to the deadline. Uh, the infamous 911 yeah deadline. It, it, and that's
0: that deadline is kind of what made me come up with that line of thinking is like okay, yeah. you wanted this symbolic victory <laughs> exactly. on 911 yeah and and in 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 turn you left us with egg on our face. Yeah, big time. You know what I mean? Yeah. We look like idiots.
1: Yeah, especially to our allies. I mean, for all the talk of the SIV holders, the American citizens that got left behind, um, just to think of the Afghan National Army that I personally work with, not having close air support and not having U.S. military intelligence, uh, not having those resources anymore. Everybody wonders why Kabul fell in a week. It's because we were pulling out. We didn't give them the close air support anymore. We didn't have intelligence for them on the ground. They had no clue what was about to happen to them. So they, they just no got idea. overrun, yeah, basically? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if if you don't have close air support, you have no business being in an Afghanistan. Uh, wow. Their, their hit-and-run tactics, their ability to hide in the landscape and hit you and be able to run without you being able to attack them. Uh, that's why the Russians were pushed out of the, uh, Afghanistan back in the 80s. Uh, it's, it's guerrilla warfare. They've done it since Ben Laden was the leader of the Mujahideen. Uh, he decimated the Russian forces to the point where they just took too many casualties and realized it wasn't worth it to be there anymore. And I mean, at the end of the day, that deadline was ridiculous on its face because it was the anniversary of 9-11 and like you said he was looking for that hero moment. yeah that's that's, all it was
0: that's exactly what it was it was just you know again look at me you know the other i guess in the case of afghanistan the other four presidents before me screwed everything up yeah look at us we're gonna fix this look at how heroic we
1: are oh it's funny that they use that line too that you know the previous administrations were failing we weren't failing there wasn't a single combat death in Afghanistan in the last year and a half. We only had two thousand troops on the ground, maybe four thousand. I can't remember the figure, but I mean when I was there, we had at least a footprint of fifteen to twenty thousand guys. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that was still at the point where we were stabilizing the region. I was literally in Afghanistan when bin Laden was caught and killed. Really? Yeah, I had friends of mine hit me up on Facebook, like, Are you coming home now? <laughs> like, of course I'm not coming home. What like, was
0: it like in Afghanistan when that happened?
1: Uh, it seemed to get real quiet for a minute there. Uh, everybody seemed to kind of disperse back into their little groups, and they hid uh, almost for maybe 30 days, 60 days. Uh, I, th- I attribute a lot of the quiet time in my deployment to Ben Laden's death. They were pretty shook up over it. Uh, a lot of people, you know, the conspiracy theory wasn't really Ben Laden. Um, they they dumped this body off the side of the boat in the you know ocean somewhere. They didn't want him to be a martyr. And they were big on that. Right outside of my compound, not even 250 feet to our north, there was a hill. And it had flags all over it. And I asked a uh, intelligence guy uh, that was there. He was part of the Air Force. I uh, can't remember his name, but... I asked him, you know, what's up with the flags up there? He's like, oh, those are grave sites. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, we call that Graveyard Hill. It was basically holy sites to them of, you know, lost fighters during the fight against us. So they would have absolutely, had we handed his body over to the Afghan people, there would be a Mecca in Afghanistan for terrorists. They would congregate there. They would communicate there. It'd be a target-rich environment for us. Uh, It'd be real stupid to hang out there for too long, but that's why we dumped him. We didn't want a place for them to, you know, recognize their leader as a martyr. He, he was what he was. He was a brutal terrorist that needed to be wiped off the face of the planet. Agreed. Um, Had we given them that opportunity, they would have only rallied around it. Oh, man.
0: Man, I am like learning some shit tonight. I'm serious. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you go back and you think, well, I mean, it's different for you, but for, you know, for me not being there, yeah, I, I go back and I remember hearing about when, uh, I almost said Obama, Freudian slip, <laughs> when Bin Laden uh, was killed. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of thinking like, oh, well, all right, you know, he's and dead.
1: It didn't seem like that unifying moment that it should have been.
0: No, you're right absolutely yeah. it was just like eh, eh. south that? park did an episode about it yeah. you know we got him
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a great episode and that was obama's first term was it not
0: i believe it was yes those are some yeah, hazy yeah, years for me to, those right. were the those were the post high school years so yeah, those are a little, if, a little it was cloudy.
1: 2010 he was reelected in 2012 so it had to have been his first term yep Uh um, I remember now President Biden standing behind him, and it was funny because there's that famous quote from Obama saying, never underestimate Joe's ability to fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he apparently was the sole voice of opposition in the room when it came down to making the decision to raid the Pakistani compound that housed bin Laden. Biden was the Biden opposition? Biden was the sole voice of opposition in the room. Everybody else was in agreement. This is place. Why the hell? The
0: why the hell would he be like, "No, dude, that's not it. No, no.
1: I, I don't know if it's this innate sense that he has to go against the grain. Um, I personally attribute it to utter incompetence. Uh, the guy is a doddering fool. <laughs> he just he continues to show you day in and day out that he has no understanding of military operations. And it, it boils down even into his administration, like General Milley, the Joint Chief of Staff, you know, putting out this woke reading list for the United States military about transgenderism. and Isn't he the same
0: know, clown that called up the Chinese and was like, we're yeah. not going to bomb you?
1: Oh, no. Yeah, I think he, uh, What would, what is it that he said to him? If we were going to bomb you, we would tell you. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm so what's the sure point of
0: bombing them then? Yeah,
1: yep. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, if you give the Chinese military that kind of intel, they would decimate the mainland before we even got a chance to press a red button. I can't believe that man's not in prison. For no, that it it is borderline treasonous, is what it is. I would say it's beyond borderline treason. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean? Right. Like like you
0: you you called the enemy, and you told them that we got you dude. Yeah. Who the hell calls their enemy and says,
1: "Bro, I got you?" Uh, our administration <laughs> would love to, right? What now. the hell are you people doing? Uh the sympathy toward the Chinese cause is just becoming more and more realized by the public, I think. I hope anyway. Uh after this last meeting with Xinjiang Jinping, whatever his name is, the, you know, president of China, Xi Jinping. Yeah, thank you. Um yeah, he apparently told Joe Biden that if we were to intervene in an attack against Taiwan that it wouldn't be a good thing for the United States to do.
0: Yeah, I heard about that. I question that though. Hmm. Here's why. He probably said that. Sure. But yeah. the that was the report from the Chinese state media. Ah, yeah. Our report said and granted you can't trust those assholes either. <laughs> no. But our report said um, that it was just a call about climate change. Ah. Okay. (laughs) The Chinese state media is going to tell the Chinese people, we threaten the Americans. Look at how big our balls are. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. In secrecy, the actual conversation was like, I don't like you. Well, Mm -hmm. I don't like you either. Well, you're an old idiot. Well, you're a you're a commie, you yeah. know. And that's probably what that whole conversation was. I wouldn't you know? doubt
1: it. I I don't think you know now. President Biden has the competency to make an argument. I mean, no, I don't think he does either. I, I think I think if he was challenged on the world stage, he would fold and you know bury his face in his hands like he's done before in previous interviews with even the United States, you know, softball media, right? That treats him like a little kid. I think
0: his presidency is proof positive as if we needed any more proof positive Mm. but i think his presidency is proof positive that the president doesn't mean jack shit
1: yeah i would agree i mean on his face he's you know a lot that guy than
0: he actually is that guy ain't running shit no absolutely he's not running anything that guy is chilling out in the lincoln bedroom of the white house to quote Ben Shapiro, mm-hmm. watching Matlock and eating ice cream. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that guy's not running anything.
1: No, and it's it's so clear when you see him do an interview with a press conference, and uh, you know he pulls out the list. Yeah. You know, oh, I I've been instructed to call on so and so from NBC. Right. And he, he to the point where he can't even remember these people's names. Right. Like he didn't even remember the president of Australia's name. Called him his buddy <laughs> from down under. I mean, he's he's just an absolute train wreck. Now, in one regard,
0: I kind of feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Yeah, same. Because I hope to God when I'm in my mid-70s <laughs> and losing it, because my fa- I have a history of dementia in my family, so I'm probably sure. going to lose it. Yeah. yeah. When I'm at that age and I'm losing it, i pray to god i'm not on television making an ass out of
1: myself on a (laughs) daily
0: basis yeah you know what i mean yeah
1: they've they've really trotted him out there and uh just made him the whipping boy
0: but in the other
1: regard i don't
0: feel bad for you because you've been a piece of garbage for your entire political career yeah he's
1: he's never brought forward any piece of legislation that positively affected the united states uh the 1994 crime bill. i was just gonna bring that up yep i mean and absolute joke. Why um, for he, people
0: who don't know what the 94 crime bill is, you can explain it, right? Uh want me to look it up?
1: Yeah, uh, right, just to get up. the details of it to be accurate. I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it had something to do with the war on drugs.
0: I believe so. And I think it, now I'll, I'm going to look it up, but mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, I think it had something to do with incarcerating minorities over
1: yeah the that infamous three strike rule what, i believe right. was in the 1994 crime bill um even three minor offenses equal the felony or something to that effect oh
0: here we go 1994 crime bill and beyond i don't want that that's federal funding
1: <laughs> yeah i was gonna say check the source uh, Oh, okay here this is according to google now
0: hmm. um Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act. The Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994 are commonly referred to as the 1994 crime bill. The Clinton crime bill or the Biden crime law yep. is an act of Congress dealing with c- crime and law enforcement. Oh, that doesn't tell me shit.
1: That's <laughs> pretty vague.
0: <big>. Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> Hold
1: on. Yeah, you'd have to break it down pretty thoroughly to get to the guts. Uh, what yeah. he authored uh, because he was the primary author of the 1994 crime bill which...
0: basically he was it
1: if any if you ever hear anybody
0: call biden a racist it's because of the 94 crime bill
1: yeah i would agree with that that and the uh you know numerous slips on camera um if you yeah (laughs) if you don't vote for me you ain't black
0: did you hear Um, about his most recent one the great uh, negro i forget who he was talking about oh shit now uh, i gotta pull this shit up where's youtube
1: yeah i would play the clip i'm interested i haven't heard you didn't hear this this is
0: great dude hold on
1: i i'm assuming it's going to be close to the uh you know little remark about president obama that he was the cleanest most intelligent you know black man he'd ever nope. met It's so, like as if the rest of the black population isn't clean and intelligent it's like, <laughs> come on, yeah and he, yeah what the hell walking asshole? into landmines left and right oh how do i even look this up
0: um
1: and good luck finding it on youtube yeah
0: right yeah biden great negro i guess <laughs> yeah. this is horrible if you're logged
1: into your account you're probably instaband already
0: Biden refers to baseball legend Satchel Paige as the great Negro at the time during speech. All right. Wow. Listen to this shit. This is great.
1: I'm sure we'll get an ad. Well, unfortunately. I just mute through the whole ad. Hey, look, it's Joe Rogan. Oh, hey. Yeah, I didn't turn that down. Yeah, at least it's a skippable ad.
0: Birthday is today. Birthday. you for your service to our country i just want to tell you i know you're a little younger than i am but uh, you know hey, i've adopted general. the attitude of the great negro at the time <laughs>
1: <laughs> why are
0: you kidding me this guy is the president of the united states are yeah. you kidding me
1: All right. I just—I'll never understand the the left in general, uh, in terms of their you know relation with the African American Black community. I, you see these little comments, and it's like you know you're just pandering for their votes. You yep. don't give a shit about what actually happens in their lives. Same thing with illegal immigrants. Yeah, I, I'll call them illegal immigrants because that's exactly what they are. They they don't care about their lives at the end of the day. They put them on some bus and ship them to some city, and then they forget about them. Yep. They just hope they vote Democrat, and that's
0: I, I I I hope the people that they're targeting figure it out
1: because it's insulting. <laughs> I don't, j- judging off what I've seen on the Rittenhouse case, the aftermath of that, every blue check mark on Twitter is still parroting the, you know the police are systemically racist because of this incident and this decision. I don't think they are going to wake up. I think at this point we're so politically divided. You have one group of people that believe one set of values and one group of people that believe another. And there's no convincing either of any logical argument in, you know, retrospect to their political beliefs.
0: The scary thing is I think you're right about that. (laughs) I really do. And what i can't work out in my mind i really can't work this out i don't i don't know how it would work is the whole like national divorce thing i i mm my brain cannot compute how it would work out and be harmonious it yeah. just it, it's not gonna be harmonious
1: no it wouldn't be at all uh, it would eventually lead to conflict just over territory exactly I mean, you have to consider texas being the most oil rich state in the entire country besides what alaska uh, which would probably go to the the left maybe i guess it depends on how you divide the country you're going to divide it north south or east west See the yeah. thing
0: is though is that if the left okay if the left took over say Alaska sure. and Alaska's rich you know rich in oil. Oh yeah. yeah. The right would end up taking Alaska back from them yeah. because they're not using the oil and we want it.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> you know by, know not mean? only that but by force. Exactly. I mean, it it so would come down to armed conflict. This
0: isn't going to work.
1: No you know Uh, it'd be a battle over major city centers with manufacturing plants it'd be a battle over every state with a port Uh, you have to be able to transport goods from one place to another and that's going to involve ports oil and resources right and if you don't have those things and you have the ability to take them you're going to do it right (laughs) why wouldn't you at that point so yeah i I don't think the national divorce is really a good solution to any of this and that That's what blows my
0: mind about hearing, like, the talking heads actually talking about it. And in certain ways, it almost comes off like they're encouraging it. Especially, I mean, I don't listen to any left-wing shows. That's... If I want to be well-rounded or at least know my enemy, I mm. should probably listen to left-wing shows just to know what they're
1: saying. I mean, the most I've seen on left-wing media is whatever clips are being played on, on the right-wing podcast media. that I watch. <laughs> yeah. and, and I mean, it's generally going to be the worst of them. I'm sure occasionally CNN has a great report about some topic, but it's probably few and far between. and is sprinkled with, you know, SJW nonsense here and there. Oh, I'm yeah. sure
0: it's probably sjw nonsense sprinkled with a little bit of sense here and there yeah right I, <laughs> you mean, know I mean even in
1: regards to the you know the afghan withdrawal the left-wing media still touts it as a victory mm-hmm. which it is absolutely not a victory it was a debacle it was a disaster i don't when it comes to
0: that dude i i don't want to say this and i I wasn't necessarily embarrassed to be an American, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, that was the first time I was almost a little bit ashamed of it. Sure. Because it was like, dude, we suck. We we don't suck. Our (laughs) government sucks.
1: Yeah, militarily, they're useless. Um, I'm... A pretty firm believer that any president should have bare minimum four years in the uniform of some kind to be able i could to agree with that,
0: like, to be able to understand what it's like
1: yeah you're the commander-in-chief he was the ultimate decision maker mm-hmm. he was briefed by generals that we saw testify in front of congress and say we told him that abandoning bagram air force base was a bad idea mm-hmm. we told him that following the deadline made us look weak we told him that an entire pullout wasn't necessary he made a campaign promise and he wanted to follow it yep. and then in turn blamed it on trump yep uh, trump may have made that deadline he may have made an earlier deadline i think it was by august that trump had agreed to at a certain point but at the same time he had conditionalities you will abide by these rules once we pull out or we will come back yep and i i'm not a huge trump fan to myself be either
0: i'm i'm not
1: but at the end of the day i do believe that Had they done what they are doing now, you know, once again, oppressing the culture, controlling the education system. I mean, it's gotten to the point where the Taliban thinks that we're such a joke that they asked for some odd million dollars for uh, what they considered aid to fight climate change. The Taliban. I'm fairly certain Those, the Taliban is not concerned about climate yeah, change. Yeah,
0: they're over there burning wood and shit to keep warm during yeah. the winter time. They're not concerned about climate change.
1: No, absolutely not. They have nothing to do with climate change. The extent of their carbon footprint is like busted down Toyota Corollas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now, unfortunately, it's, uh, you know, you know military issued MRAPs and MATVs mm-hmm. and whatever helicopters we left them, yeah. uh, which is, again, a joke. That was another aspect of that that. Yeah, it's it's hard to recover all that material but at the same time it could have been handled a lot better just destroy it yeah it seems like a good option um uh, when you consider the amount of equipment the amount of ammunition the amount of small arms in order to gather this all and destroy it uh you might as well put the entire active duty army in afghanistan it, wow, are you shitting me? We have more guns than soldiers over there. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Every single soldier, at least in the army that I knew of, was issued a service rifle. Uh, lieutenants were issued a service rifle and a sidearm. If you consider crew served weapons, uh, those are kind of extra. Like, you don't have a guy that's issued a M240 light machine gun, you don't have a guy that's issued a 50 cal those come with the unit so for every soldier that's deployed there's a unit deployed and they all have x amount of machine guns x amount of 50 cals x amount of artillery pieces so there's more military equipment over there than people by far and to recover it all and be able to make it inoperable is an impossible mission so wow. you can't you can't necessarily fault him for that equipment falling into enemy hands entirely. Um, it is his fault. But logistically speaking, it'd be a nightmare to try to recover all that equipment or destroy it.
0: Wow. OK, well, all right. I mean. See, that's why I asked. I don't know these things. Right. <laughs> so. So. And if this is too personal of a question, by all means, forgive me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when all that shit broke out, uh, you know, with the the botched withdrawal, yeah, how did that make you feel?
1: Uh, Were you uh, angry? Yeah, absolutely. It's a sinking feeling of you know we spent all this time over there stabilizing this region uh, for it, you know, to all fall back into enemy hands. Uh, the targets out there for the most part when i was there were schools and cell phone towers they don't want their people educated at all they despise western society um and when i say they i mean i'm not going to say every single person in afghanistan hates our guts but it's probably a good majority
0: really yeah
1: Uh, We had instances of Afghan National Army shooting soldiers. uh, just U.S. Army soldiers? Yeah, we we referred to it as uh, green on blue violence. Uh, The Afghan National Police and Afghan National Army tended to wear like a blue jumpsuit uniform. So blue on green was an instance of one of their, you know, Afghan, what should have been our Afghan allies attacking one of us. And it was more prevalent than you'd think.
0: I remember hearing <clears throat> news stories about that, about you know an Afghan army guy just going off and taking, yeah. trying to take out a couple U.S. servicemen.
1: Yeah, and there's probably a couple of reasons for that. The main reason being money. Um, you know, we pay tribal leaders X amount of dollars to you know give us intel uh, to keep insurgents out of their villages. That money, whether or not it's used for that purpose, we don't know. Mm-hmm. They might, you know, hand it to enemy insurgencies who say, hey, we know the U.S. military gave you this amount of money. We want it. And if you don't give it to us, we're, you know, going to attack this you know, village of yours. And sometimes instead of using the support that we could give them and saying, hey, we got the backing of the U.S. Army, they would just hand over the cash. If the enemy gets their hands on that and they, you know, catch an Afghan National Army guy off his shift back in the village and he says, hey, I'll give you, you know, 10 grand U.S. to shoot soldiers when you get back on post, they'll do it. They're motivated by money over there big time.
0: Well, it makes sense. They're, for a lack of better terms, dirt poor. Oh, absolutely. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their commodities are goats and camels for the most part <sighs> and uh, opium, of course. <laughs> but uh yeah to the highest bidder i mean they're basically mercenaries we were paying them to do the job for us it was our goal to train them and have them take over the country but at the end of the day the general belief and i i don't like speaking generalities but the general belief of the muslim culture is islam period if you don't believe islam you're an infidel and you're the enemy it's written in the Quran multiple times. I I don't care who wants to argue it. That group of people, uh, they don't believe in our values, and it leads to conflict. It always has.
0: Oh, man. So, wow, that was heavy, too. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that was heavy, topic. man.
1: Yeah, that one might get you in trouble on YouTube, but yeah, it's an opinion. That's, that's all it is. Screw them. Yeah, I agree. Screw them.
0: That's the whole reason of doing this is to get people's stories out there. Yeah, and your story is fascinating, man. Holy shit! Um, I don't know if you can actually answer this question because you're not a prophet. (laughs) 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 Now that Afghanistan is in the situation that it's in, you know, you know the dust. I guess you could say, is settled, so to speak. Sure. What do you think is in the future for that country?
1: Uh, The same thing that happened back when Russia invaded. Um, Even before that, more conflict, uh, more tribal disputes, um, enemy insurgency groups gaining a foothold in the area and possibly using it to stage attacks against other countries. Uh, When's the last time since the withdrawal before that period of time, that you heard of a major terrorist attack?
0: I can't remember.
1: Exactly. But before that, when we initially invaded Afghanistan, there was 7-7, the tube station... There was the original attack on the World Trade Centers, which arguably was the CIA botching some kind of a training exercise, according to conspiracy theorists. The the, the globalists. You had 9-11 itself. You had the American embassy in Dubai. I can't remember now. Somewhere in the Middle East, an American embassy was attacked. Taliban took credit for it. I mean, just attack after attack after attack leading up to 9-11. And all of a sudden, we had a presence there and the attack stopped. We hadn't had a major terrorist event since the invasion of Afghanistan. So why did we you know, have this arbitrary deadline to pull out when we had no combat casualties in a year and a half? We had the region stabilized with 2,000 soldiers and probably a million drones. Uh, there, there was just no reason to do it. And in terms of what's going to happen now, it's just going to be more of the same. I I would be willing to bet in the next five to ten years, you'll have a new figurehead, um, you know, Ben Laden-like. They'll rally around him and gain funding and find a way to attack us again so in some major fashion. Again? It's just a matter of time.
0: Wow, oh, that's... That's not what you want to hear, but you're probably right.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd say there's probably intelligence reports floating around military communities right now that will tell you that same information. Wow.
0: Wow, man. Well, holy shit. Well, we're at uh, two two hours and 28 minutes. Gotcha. So you want to wrap this thing up? Yeah, sure, sure. All right. Well, I want to do wow i want to thank you again for doing this that was that was incredible
1: yeah it was a good time
0: i wasn't (sighs) going into it i wasn't sure not not that i wasn't sure how it was gonna go but Mm -hmm. like i'm like i hope i don't say something wrong you know what i mean (laughs) like
1: yeah no i'm not uh i'm not intimidated by questions i'm not that kind of guy that gets offended easily. So, yeah, you pretty much could have went full bore and I wouldn't have said a word Okay. To be, yeah.
0: And, and two, I, you know, you've told stories before at band practice oh, and sure. stuff. So I kind of knew what your experience was like, but I didn't. Wow, man. Like, yeah. I feel like I, I definitely know you better now. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, that you. was awesome. Yeah. That was a great story. So thanks again. Thank you for your service. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Good people out there appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, appreciate it as well. <laughs> and uh, anything you want to say, anything anything you want to wrap it up with, anything uh, you want to promote, feel free. You got the platform, my friend. Take it and away.
1: Just when we get back into it, uh, yeah, if we you know start releasing stuff on Spotify, get back to practice and check out Single Barrel Blackout. Um, still have a Facebook page up and active, I believe. Um, check out this podcast, of course. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah other other than that no uh that's that's pretty well it i'd say
0: all right well thanks again i i really appreciate it i hope everybody enjoyed the show um big round of applause for eric thank you very much man oh uh, yeah
1: much appreciate
0: it. check us out on spotify check us out on facebook check us out on google podcasts i'm still looking into that though (laughs) also i see on my analytics today that i might be on um apple podcasts but again i need to look into that so take a look maybe i might be up there just look for the show's logo and uh got some more shows coming up soon more friends more movie reviews more news uh until that time thanks again for showing up and uh We'll talk to you guys soon if you want to say goodbye.
1: Yep, y'all have a good night. Take it easy. Studios, a division of Northern Enlightenment Entertainment Media. We hope you have enjoyed this program. Goodbye.
0: In the transmission.